Cameras have been in place on the Bedford Road, running out of the Wixom's estate near Wilstead. The road links the A6 towards Bedford, but Mark O'Leary, who lives nearby, says he was stopped by police there last year. The only excuse I'd say is they, they could perhaps have a sign either end of the um, of the road. If you live here, I think most people are aware of oh, this is a bus lane. It's clearly signposted. Now, local people wanting to prevent land being built on behind their Luton homes say they'll fight on. That's despite the council pressing ahead with plans to develop the area. Protesters around Butley Road suffered their latest setback at last night's meeting. Martin Stiff says anyone living there would want to preserve the open space. Absolutely. This is a a very rare piece of land within a very built-up community. The council's policies have already identified that the the top hill area of Luton, um, personal area, is deficient in open space. And this is a unique piece of land that, once it's gone, will never get replaced. Trainee nurses will have to work on hospital wards for up to a year in future. That's before or during their degree. It's part of the government's response to the scandal at Stafford Hospital. It's not clear, though, if ministers will accept another key recommendation from the inquiry, a new legal obligation for health trusts to tell patients the truth when things do go wrong. A woman's told Three Counties Radio that she wants answers after missing her flight from Luton Airport because she got stuck in a lift at the Ibis Hotel. Lynn Larson and her husband were due to go to Turkey for 11 days. We live in North Wales, so we travelled down to stay in this airport so we could get our flight because the flight was leaving at six in the morning. But we were stuck in the lift from about quarter past four till about quarter to six. Well, the Ibis Hotel have got in touch reserves and they've said they apologise for the inconvenience and they're now looking into the matter and will be in contact with the guests to see how they can help. So let's turn to the sport then. England managed to draw the final test and the series. After they batted all day and closed on 315 for nine, Luton's Monty Panesar helped to save them as well. Weather, it's going to be bitter out, staying dry though. Colder than yesterday as well with temperatures dropping to three degrees Celsius, 37 in Fahrenheit. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties bbc three counties radio first for news Dear listener, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Where are we, Tuesday? Something like that, that'll do. Three minutes past six. Lots coming up on the show this morning. A a, a quick plea, though. Justin Dealey hasn't turned up this morning. Our um, hairy, swarthy reporter, Dealey, is lost somewhere. If you see a a sad middle-aged man with highlights smoking a cigarette somewhere, it's probably him. Could you get get him to give us a call, please? I want to make sure Dealey's all right. I'm concerned about him. Justin, where on earth are you? You should have been here 40 minutes ago. Anyway, well, hopefully we'll find him before the end of the show, as we need him. Lots coming up, including big changes on the way if you claim disability living allowance. We'll look at what they are and how you might be affected. What could be the country's shortest bus lane has been put in place on the Wixom's estate in Bedfordshire. Hundreds of drivers have been fined. Are you one of them? Do you have any sympathy for them? And have you ever been stuck in a lift? Well, we hear why one Luton woman is fuming that a faulty lift cost her a flight to Turkey. This morning, I want to spread it out a little bit. What have you been trapped in? Lots of ways to get in touch. You can go to facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or you can give me a phone call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Now, big changes are on the way if you claim disability living allowance. Reforms that will see the biggest shake-up of the welfare system for a generation start next week. More than three million people who get DLA will be reassessed for a new benefit called Personal Independence Payment, or PIP. But there's concern that the reforms will see hundreds of thousands of disabled people becoming worse off. Well, Jane Jenkins is from Luton Citizens Advice Bureau. Morning, Jane. Good morning. Uh, Describe exactly how this change is going to happen. What's what's the, the transfer that's happening here? Okay, um, PIP is a completely new benefit. It um, is replacing disability living allowance for people aged 16 to 64, um, but the assessment is completely different. So all new claims starting in June um, will be done under the PIP rules. And And what's different about those rules? It looks more... Well, the thing that we're most concerned about the Citizens Advice Bureau is that ATOS, who you may have heard of, are going to be doing the assessments. Um, These are the people who did the assessments for employment and support allowance, Mm. um, which found a lot of people fit for work, who then, when it came to appeal, 40% won their appeals and were found actually not fit for work. And so they're going to be in charge of uh, assessing people for these pips. Do, Do we know what the assessment is going to be? Um, yeah, it's going to be it's it's going to be initially by telephone, followed by at the moment a thirty eight page form for people to complete, which will be great. I would imagine for a lot of people who might have writing difficulties as part of their disability, learning difficulties, yeah. arthritis, anything like that, can't hold a pen. It's going to be a real real problem for new claimants. I tell the problem. My mum gets DLA. I'm going to have to fill in this form for her. That's that's. Yeah, I mean, people. I'm going to have to do it. People who are currently getting DLA will be transferred onto PIP. Right. Not initially. That's coming in in a couple of years' time. Um, but the citizens' advice people, if you know, will help. Mm. So um, you know, if anyone's got any problems filling in their forms, we've got um, an outreach service. We've got a home visiting service. Um, you know, or, or they can make an appointment in bureau, and we will help people. Do, do people know about these changes? Has everyone been told that this is going to happen? Uh, I think this PIP at the moment is a little bit under the radar because people are still worried about their employment and support allowance, which is probably going to affect the same people because that's, again, a disabled benefit, a disability benefit. Um, but this month, people have got three new benefits, or April, people have got three new benefits coming in. There's um, Council Tax Reduction Scheme, which has replaced council tax benefit uh community care grants um there's now a crisis support scheme and then the other big one is under occupancy also known as the bedroom mm. tax so it's literally one thing after another is hitting people so there will be some people who are thinking well hang on a second why, why are these disabled people getting dlas or pips I- explain how important they are to the people that get these benefits okay um DLA has got two components. One is care, one is mobility. Mobility, if you can't walk at the moment, it's 50 yards. It's going to be 20 when PIP comes in, so big, big changes. Um, You could potentially get a motability car, which then means you're not trapped in your home. It means you could potentially go to work. Um, It just makes you much freer. With the care component, that could pay for maybe a carer to come in and help people um it's just it's just really to help people stay in their own homes and main, maintain a little bit of independence it is it's about it's about freedom and independence isn't it and, exactly. and, and, and all the things that you and i take for granted but yeah. but some a lot of people struggle to enjoy mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's been claimed that this is going to save the change from dla to pips is going to save the government about two billion pounds mm-hmm. is that is it worth that money it also means that half a million people who are currently getting dla won't get it when pip comes in so so the the money sounds good but when you convert that to individual people 
it's not it's not worth it. Now, so just just explain again if, if there are people listening to think, oh my god, I've got to fill in a thirty-eight page form. I'm, I'm terrible with form. I'm terrible with forms. But, but some people really struggle. What help can the Citizens Advice Bureau give to these people, and how can they access that help? Okay. Um, Every Citizens Advice Bureau is independent, um, so I can really only tell you about Luton. Okay. Um, we have a home visiting team, so if people can't come into the Bureau, we can go out to their homes, we will sit with them. Not only will we fill in the forms with them, um, but we'll do a general benefit check to see if there's any other benefits that ah. they could be claiming. And very often, we find that there are. There are, because there are so many little secret benefits and, and, and things that are not well publicised, people could... could you know could do quite well out of having a benefits check because mm. lots of stuff goes unclaimed every year doesn't it absolutely yeah wow wonderful i mean we had one client who um missed out on nearly sixteen thousand pounds worth of benefits excuse me yeah did they get that back paid some was back paid wow. a little bit but yeah wow that's not, in- not what they should have had back paid, and how did probably. they how did they miss out on that they just they just hadn't asked what had happened, um, this particular person had been working, mm. got a reasonable level of savings. Um, he had tried to apply for benefits and was told, no, you've got too much savings. So he used his savings to um, pay his mortgage, you know, daily living, which meant his savings pretty soon went down. Mm. Um, we caught up with him two years later when he had, well, practically no savings left at all. We then found that he could claim disability benefits. He could claim, as it was then, incapacity benefit that has been transferred onto ESA now. Um, DLA, he could get help with his mortgage. Mm. He could get help with his council tax. Um, he was in a much so better it's, situation. So it's definitely worth having getting in touch. What's, what's the phone number if people in Luton do want to get in? Oh, you don't? Oh, look, I've asked you a question. <laughs> you should no. see the panic on Jane's face then. The phone number? What? <laughs> I suppose you don't... And the rustling of paper. <laughs> Listen, don't worry if you can't find it. We'll no, put it... no, you've got, you got okay. it? There we go. Go on, what's the number? Right. The Bureau is open Monday to Friday. This is Luton Bureau. Yep. Monday to Friday, 9 till 4. We close at 1 on a Thursday. But we give telephone advice on 0844 245 1285. Um, we've also got a website... <laughs> <laughs> so it was worth finding. This is it good information. It, it? Well done. We've got a website, yes. uh, which is adviceguide.org.uk. Okay, we'll get all that put on but our Facebook page wa- as well. If worried, just come down and see us. Brilliant. Jane, no thank you very much for coming in. I know it's a ridiculous o'clock, but it's been very useful, so thank you very much. Well, in the next hour, we're going to hear from a Hertfordshire woman who's concerned about how the changes will affect her. 08459 555. Oh, look who's next door. Justin Dealey's turned up. What a lovely surprise.
Well, ex- exciting news to listen. At the start of the show, I was worried that uh, my fifth favourite reporter, Justin <laughs> Daly, was nowhere to be seen. Justin, you've turned up. What, what yeah. on earth is going on? What's the, yes, the shambles um, that is your life? Uh, alarm clock fatigue, I think is what it is. <laughs> Paul Scoyne's had this last week. Yep. You've had it this week. What on earth is going on with you? You lot? know what? It's, I'll tell you what it is. It's March. When the clocks change, everything goes a bit weird. They Before and after. They haven't changed yes, it yet. it's the build-up. It's the build-up. <laughs> You're in. What are, yes. you off, what, are you, what are you off to today? I'm uh, going to be talking about um, a lady who got stuck in a lift at Luton Airport and then yep. missed her flight. Then off to the bus lane in Bedford, Wixom's, yes. which is in the Daily Mail. But also in, um, slight update for oh, you. Yeah. Obviously, when I go out in a radio car, we've got a branded vehicle. It's yes. got a 30-foot aerial that comes out the roof, which well, enables us to broadcast. Great publicity it's, yes. for the show, and it's a wonderful piece of kit that uh, never lets us down. Absolutely. The, the, the thing is, people don't miss it. Yeah. And uh, for the last week or so, people have been coming up to the car, giving me money, giving me checks. I've said, no, I cannot take it. Uh, they want you uh, to run in the London Marathon. Oh, really? Off the back of your comments last Do week. They? So this is an appeal right now to our listeners. Please, yeah. please, if I'm yeah. out today and you see me all this week, yeah. I cannot take checks for Ian supposedly doing the London Marathon. No. I can't do it's it. It's literally never going to mm, happen. Mm. I, I will hack off my own leg yeah. before I do that. That's what I keep on saying. It's interesting you get offered money, because I know mm. that in the past you've been offered other things yes. without reporting. <laughs> <laughs> true, yes. Go on, go out and do some work, for goodness sakes. I'm never running the marathon, ever. He's very naughty. Here's the travel news with Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Well, not looking too bad out there at the moment. No major problems to be updating you with. Motorways are looking good, particularly the western stretch of the M25. No problems to uh, update you with there. And the M1 also looking good as well. Uh, the usual delays not yet beginning to cause too much of a problem. Looking good in Buckingham on the A421 and also moving nicely as well on the North Orbital Road. Now, on the trains, uh, also looking good. No problems to update you with on the departure boards this morning. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Sophie. Right, 6.16, it's Tuesday the 26th of March. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Advisory groups in the three counties say there's been a rise in people asking for help ahead of changes to disability living allowance. Nearly 300 people have been fined for driving through a new Bedfordshire bus lane in the last two weeks. And in sport, Luton's Monty Panassar has helped save England in the final test match. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks. There'll be a bitter wind this morning, but staying dry. Colder than yesterday, with temperatures dropping to three degrees. And coming up, before 6.30, what could be the country's shortest bus lane has been put in place on the Wixom's Estates in Bedfordshire. Hundreds of drivers have been fined. Are you one of them? And do you have any sympathy for these people? Very clearly signposted. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Nick Coffer on BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday between 12 and 3, I'm here with a little bit of celebrity. I've always loved being a comedian because it's my job, so I'm going to keep doing that. I was voted Japan's number one male vocalist of the year, and I beat out Frank Sinatra. How's that? <laughs> Expert advice. It does sound like it's a mechanical pain brought on by altered mechanics in your upper limb. Your capital's protected because I'm guessing what you don't want to do is take any risks with the capital itself. And loads of really great music. Nick Coffer, weekdays from 12 on BBC Three Counties Radio. Almost 300 people have been fined for driving through a bus lane in Bedfordshire that's only 33 feet long. 
Residents trying to get out of the Wixom's estate near Wilfsted have, have to drive along the A6 to avoid the lane. It was created in the middle of Kingsway Road, cutting off access to the estate. The enforcement cameras were put, up, uh, put in place two weeks ago. Well, our reporter, Simon Watts, went to look at the road in the wind yesterday. As an area, Wixom's has been growing fast over the last six years, described as a new town. It'll eventually become one of the largest areas in Bedfordshire in terms of population behind Bedford itself and Kempston. So as such, the scenery is changing all the time and a bus lane that links the Bedford Road and Wilstead Road has been causing major problems for many people here in recent weeks. It runs adjacent to the A6 and since enforcement cameras were put up two weeks ago, nearly 300 motorists have already been hit with fines for going through the bus lanes by mistake. Well, I've come down to take a look at the road for the first time myself, and it is in fact my first visit to Wixom's too, but it seems pretty obvious looking at it. It's a no-through road. There are two clearly visible bus-only signs with the big blue symbol of the bus and cycle. As well as that, there are large white road markings saying the same. It's a quiet road, and I'd say to take the A6 next to it would add no more than a minute to your journey. And it appears as though the area has been patrolled for some time before the enforcement cameras were installed. About a year ago, I got stopped by the police going through it. They let me off with a verbal warning, but yeah, since then I haven't haven't gone back through. So you don't have uh, a great deal of sympathy for those who've picked up these fines? Maybe if you're a first-time visitor to Wixom's, potentially, if you live here, I think most people are aware of oh, this is a bus lane. And like I say, it's clearly signposted. Well, in the time that I spent at the bus lane, one car made its way towards the road only to do a quick U-turn when it realised that it couldn't go down there. Meanwhile, when I spoke to people on the Wixom's estate and at the nearby garden centre, and it must have been around about 30 in the space of an hour, nobody had picked up a fine and all were aware that it was a no-through road, which perhaps suggests that those people who are getting caught out aren't from the Wixom's area itself. Well, Bedford Borough Council say the enforcements are in place to ensure its safety of our roads, ease congestion, improve bus punctuality and keep the lanes clear for emergency vehicles. Simon Watts reporting there on the Wixom's estate. Uh, have you seen this? There's a great picture of it uh, in some of the papers today. It's pretty obvious it's a bus lane. It may only be tiny. It's pretty obvious. What do you think? Have you been caught out in this bus lane and are you furious with the council for putting this there just to make money? Or do you think, oh, hang on a second, I've, I've, I've really got no sympathy for these people at all. 08459 455 555. When I call you up, your line's engaged. I have had enough, so at your age, we have lost the time that was so. If you won't see me 
see me you don't hear that very often is that rubber soul i think it's rubber soul it's, is it revolver no it's rubber soul anyway good morning this is ian lee bbc three counties radio coming up later on in the show we're going to hear about a woman who got stuck in a lift yeah, that happens you'd think that's fine but she missed her flight to turkey oh she's furious she's furious we'll speak to her later on as a result of that we are rather cleverly i think asking you what have you got stuck in? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Jez is in High Wycombe. Good morning, Jez. Morning. What have you got stuck in, Jez? Uh, I got stuck in my own bathroom. Sorry? I got stuck in my own bathroom. How, how did you do that? It was like one of those Frank Spencer carry-on things. Yes. Uh, basically, what happened was, my wife work, was working nights at the time. It was about 2005. Yep. Um, it was a really hot... It was one of the few hot days we had in August that time. And basically, she'd gone out... I, as a habit, used to go and use the bathroom and just used to lock the door because it was just like a force of habit. Uh, now, listen, I always lock the bathroom yeah. door, even if it's an empty even house. There's nobody there. I just do it out of habit. Isn't that funny? Yeah. You, yeah who's going to burst in? Who's going to burst in? Exactly. It's really strange. Yes, okay. Just force of habit. So yeah. Anyway, I, I locked the door, did what I had to do. Um, oh, dear. Washed my hands. Came, and, Good. And the problem is, bear in mind, it's a really hot evening, so I've, all I've got on is my boxer shorts. Oh. Nothing else at all. This really is a very unpleasant image at 25 yeah, minutes past exactly. six, Jez. Yeah. <laughs> Carry on. Oh <laughs> yeah, probably is, actually. Um, basically, I then tried to open the door and found that the whole lock mechanism is com- completely jammed and completely broken. Yeah. As in, I couldn't get out the door. I was stuck. Oh. And I thought, you, you get a sort of few seconds of complete panic. Um, sets in, like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? Uh, now, the window was open. It was, it's a, it was a ground floor masonette-type place we lived in at the time. Um, and I started trying to kind of prise the door open with various objects in the bathroom. 
Yeah. Uh, the problem with that being that I actually ended up cutting myself on the metal of the, of the, um, of the door uh, handle. So, of course, there's blood starting to pour everywhere at this point. <laughs> oh, for goodness sake. <laughs> there's blood everywhere. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my God. And, and I'm really, like, panicking. I'm sweating, you know, because I'm like, what am I going to do? My mobile phone's outside. My keys are outside. I've got no, nothing in here at all. And there's me in my, in my box of shorts, nothing else at all. How the hell am I going to get out of it? Worst thing about it was there were some people in the car park, some neighbours in the car park, cause it was like on an estate we lived at the time. And in the car park, there were some people unpacking some shopping. They'd obviously been shopping at Adzers or whatever. And I thought... Do I alert them? Because if I alert them, they're going to think I broke in or something. Yeah. You know. So what do I do? So I just like, oh my god, I, I don't, didn't know who they were. <laughs> if it had been my neighbours, I probably would have asked them, but they weren't. So I didn't know what to do. So I'm just in panic and blood everywhere. In the end, I thought <laughs> I wait for, wait for them to go away. I had to wait like ten, fifteen minutes for them to actually go away and go, you know, clear off. Yeah. So I could physically had a clear run. I managed then to get myself out of the bathroom window. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, under the bathroom window was a big thorn bush. Oh, for <laughs> these really prickly bushes. Yes. Um, this actually happened. You sure this wasn't a dream no, or something? This, this actually really happened, happened to you. Okay. It was like Frank. Spe- it was like something out of Frank Spencer. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, I, I climbed out the window into this thorn bush, cut myself to pieces on the thorn bush. Um, bear in mind, I'm still gushing blood out of where I've cut myself trying to break break open the bathroom door. Yes. Uh, ran around the estate, thought the only thing I could do is luckily... So hang on, you're now running around the estate in your, uh, the yeah. estate in your pants? Yeah, in my oh, pants. Okay. Yeah, nothing yeah. else. Oh, okay. Um, Covered in it, blood. Thank God it was a summer's evening. Yeah. yeah. I'm thinking, my God, somebody's going to see me, they're going to think oh, I've, I've lost it or something. Yeah. Lost yeah. the plot. Anyway, uh, as luck would have it, one of the yes. neighbours had some garden chairs outside their house. What? Uh, you know, the, the plastic tables and chairs? I do, yes. So I pinched one of those... <laughs> before they could see me, ran round the, into the communal garden area. Now, as luckily, as, we ha- as luck would have it, our lounge window at the time faced onto the communal garden Jez, area. just to let you know, this show finishes at nine yeah, o'clock no. in... Th- okay, you've got okay, that. I'll, I'll keep it short now. Yeah. Okay, mm. um, so I'll get the last bit in. Basically, I managed to, luckily, as luck would have it, the, door, the window was open, I managed to get, climb onto this chair, uh, covered in blood, climb through the window, and luckily there was a puff in my lounge, mm-hmm. and, and I managed to get onto the puff yep. and get through the window and then back into the house. Uh, but there was literally, like, blood everywhere. My wife came home from work the next day and I tried to do my best to clear it up. I'd obviously missed some of it. She was yes. like, what? Yeah, there's blood. We were just finding blood in the most odd places. It was like... Jess, are you sure field. you weren't just having some weird no. kinky party that got out of hand no, and you're no, just using seriously. this as an excuse? Straight up. This is exactly what happened. It was a horrible experience. The only way I actually managed to get the door open, I had to physically break the lock on the other side, you know, break the handle off the other side and do it from the other side of the door. Jess, thank you. <laughs> If you missed that call, that's going out as an audio boo right now. Jez, thank you very much for that. Jez in High Wycombe. I'll be honest, if I, if I saw uh, one of my neighbours running around on a summer's evening in their pants, covered in blood, stealing garden furniture, I, th- I do think the police would definitely become involved in that situation. Well, how are we going to top that? It's not even half past six. How are we going to top that? Can anyone beat that? What have you been locked in? <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Thank you, Jez. Thank you so much. Oh, wait, 459 455 555. What have you been locked in? Listen, Jez has set a very high standard. I don't think we can even approach that. Here's the travel news now with Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts, and bugs travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
starting off on the motorway southbound on the M1. One lane is blocked following a broken down vehicle just before junction 11 at Dunstable. And also heading north, two lanes are closed with queuing traffic following an accident. And it was just before junction 8 at Hemel Hempstead. Everything else is still not looking too bad, actually. The M25 moving nicely. The uh, usual delays not yet beginning to cause too much of a problem at the moment. Looking good on the North Orbital Road. And the trains are coping well on the departure boards as well this morning. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Sophie, thank you very much indeed. 08459 455 555. What have you been uh, stuck in? We just heard Jez there, who's... What a horrific story. Locked in his bathroom, it ended up with him running around the estate, stealing furniture in his pants, covered in blood. I don't think we're going to beat that. 08459 455 555. Let's get the latest news and sport now with Serena. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Advisory groups in the three counties say there's been a rise in people asking for help ahead of changes to the disability living allowance. Nearly 300 people have been fined for driving through a new Bedfordshire bus lane in the past two weeks. Meanwhile, local people wanting to prevent land being built on their behind their Luton homes say they'll fight on. That's despite the council pressing ahead with plans to develop the area. And plans to radically redevelop the riverside in Bedford's been narrowly approved at a council meeting. That's the latest news. Now let's get up to all date with all the morning sport. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. England managed to draw on the last day of the final test against New Zealand. They closed on 315 for nine, which ensures the series finished level after three drawn games. Luton's Monty Panesar helped save them as well, along with Stuart Broad. This was Matt Pryor's reaction. The way Root and Bell started off this morning was, was phenomenal. And then, you know, I have to a special mention to Broadie. You know, when he came out there, that, that guy's been working tirelessly in the nets with Andy Flower and he's been getting frustrated at it and that just showed forget what score he got the amount of balls he faced and the time he took out of the game was just phenomenal from him and hats off Turning to football now, Luton Town's conference match at home to Ebbsfleet has been postponed. Officials looked at the Kenilworth Road pitch yesterday and decided it wouldn't be playable due to snow and ice. And Stevenage caretaker manager Mark Roberts has praised the club's players for their attitude since the sacking of manager Gary Smith. Borough lost to Tranmere at the weekend. But Roberts says their response to the instability has impressed him. The way that they've responded to the, the situation that we've all had to deal with has been uh, nothing short of magnificent and uh, it'll be a big learning curve for them. And uh, hopefully they take those lessons in a positive, uh, positive fashion and uh, we move forwards and finish the season as strong as possible. BBC Three Counties Radio, there'll be more from me at seven. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning! What a, what a perky start to the show. If you've just tuned in, the first 30 minutes was uh, has been rather frisky. Dealey turning up late. A, a, a bizarre story about a man running around in his pants. Let's see if we can... It's all downhill from here. Coming up in the next 30 minutes, many of you wanted to have your say about the plans for the Riverside North development in Bedford yesterday. Very feisty show. Very feisty show. Well, our political reporter and uh, coffee supremo, Paul Scoynes, spent a lot of last night at a council meeting finding out what's going to happen next. Well, he'll be with me in a few minutes' time. And a woman says uh, she wants answers after missing her flight from Luton Airport because she got stuck in a lift at the Ibis Hotel. Well, Justin Dealey's been to meet her, and as a result, we're asking you, what have you been stuck in? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Oh, look, all of the phone lines are free. I command you, call me now, dear listener, 08459 
Four double five five double five. Now, I said yesterday's show was feisty. It, it, it was. And one of the, the stories that you were getting feisty about is that the residents of Butley Road in Luton, who they've been fighting to keep the land behind their homes as open space. Well, the council wants to give the land to developers to build homes, which are in desperate need in the town. Residents tried to stop the plans by applying for the land to be designated as a village green. Well, the Borough Council's Executive Committee voted to continue with plans. One of the campaigners, Martin Stiff, told our reporter, Ewan Duncan, that they keep coming up against a brick wall. There is a group as such that feel very strongly about this. and um, We've um, been working hard over the last 18 months to um, try and put our, our case together. But every time that we've gone to each stage, it's just been blocked by the, the committees of the, of the various members of the council here. They're, they're headstrong into just going ahead regardless of what we say, not listening to the community, not listening to the the members of the public not listening to loosen who actually keep them uh, where they are now effectively this was the final hurdle was it um, absolutely not no there's a uh, lot more water to go under the bridge um, this is just another uh, hurdle we have to climb um, they need now to um, uh, put this into the local press for um, feedback and any objections so we've obviously got that opportunity and there's some other other things that we've got on, under the planning issue which we haven't raised as yet that we'll be using to try and uh, prevent but at the end of the day they'll do what they want regardless of any members of the public and uh, the, the residents of Luton. So there's an appeals agenda for you but you still don't hold out much hope in the long run? I wouldn't like to say, I wouldn't like to wave the white flag yet, let's, let's, let's put it that way. But um, we, we, want, we all go down fighting if we have to. At the end of the day, they'll, they'll carry on doing what they want to do, um, but we can just make our voices heard the best we can as just members of the public. And the key here is an area that could be used as a play area or potentially open space, which is going to be built on. Absolutely. This is a, a very a rare piece of land within a very built-up community. The council's policies have already identified that the, the top hill area of Luton, um, personal area, is deficient in open space. And this is a unique piece of land that, once it's gone, will never get replaced. Remind us how many houses we're talking about here. It's 54 houses, 33 of them are going to be private sell to the developer for his own profits and needs. And there's 15 of council and the remainder will be shared ownership. It's a, it's a space that, um, that all the community uses. It brings all the community together. The, the, the people in Hockwell Ring and the big tall flats that live near, near us, um, they use that space. They don't have gardens. They use that space as their, as their back garden. If you see in the summer, they use it for picnics, they use it for barbecues, they use it for their kids to come and play where they have the opportunity. We have it. Fortunately, we have a small garden of our own, but that, you know, we see that, that area as a meeting point for all the communities for dog walking and just general just sports and leisure pastimes. Our reporter you and Duncan there speaking to Martin Stiff.
this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 455 555 is the phone number. Now, a proposal to radically redevelop the Riverside in Bedford has been narrowly approved at a council meeting. The Riverside North plans, which we discussed on the show yesterday, include a multi-screen cinema, retail and residential developments, were passed by five votes to four against last night. Well, our political reporter, Paul Scoynes, was there. Paul, remind us of the plans. Well, Ian, these are around 64 houses. There's flats, a mixture of flats and houses, uh, a seven-screen cinema, and a variety of retail and restaurant outlets will be uh, on the on the embankment of Bedford, and uh, they'll redesign the area. So, if you know the centre of Bedford, is there's a there's a town square uh, where there's a large. It's almost like a church on a roundabout at the moment, uh, and that's going to be linked up to the river where the uh, where the sort of newish town hall is, and that's going to be demolished, and they're going to then redevelop this whole frontage. And uh, you know, I was shown around it last night by the deputy mayor after the meeting. He mm-hmm. went and showed me the whole area and you know what their idea is is that they reconnect the river with the town and they make it more pedestrian friendly um, with a mix of these shops and 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 restaurant outlets we discussed this on the show yesterday we've discussed it before that there are a lot of objections to this proposal aren't there yeah there was many many people who lined up to speak against the uh, the plans they set a time limit didn't they on, on well they had to right in the end I so mean, many. got to a point where there was they were we were two hours into the meeting before they'd even got to the dis the debate and wow. um uh, you know things like people that uh who, like for example the former mp patrick hall who was saying that uh, he, he wants redevelopment, but said that uh, uh, this was this was the biggest threat to the town centre's well-being. Um, there was a line that I saw from the, I think it was the campaign. Let me just check here. Yeah, the campaign for the protection of rural England, who said uh, that great harm will be inflicted on a conservation area. The town centre action plan. Uh, will be torn up. Was there lots of... When we discussed this on the show, bizarrely, we've had lots of people saying, phoning in from Bedford saying, we're not Milton Keynes. Was there, was there a lot of that last yeah. night? There seemed to be a lot of hatred towards Milton Keynes. There was, and it, I think it was more about the design. Right. Um, I think lots of people were worried that it's quite blocky, mm. it's quite modern. Someone uh, used the word cheese grater yesterday. Yeah, they did, and, and they used it again last night. And I didn't really see... I mean, I'm, you know, OK, I'm going to declare an interest. I'm from Milton Keynes here, so right. I've grown up in those sorts of that sort of environment mm. now you could argue that it is different and, and there's no two ways about mm. it i'm not trying to speak for it but there is a, a you know there is a, a contrast there and i think a lot of people found that quite difficult there was a lot of discussion last night about what sort of cladding would be used on the outside right. of the building and that seemed to be the only real sort of element of uh, of of change that the council could inflict you spoke to uh, jackie horn one of the campaigners yeah right after the meeting she told me uh, that they're going to look to see what else they can do to approve the plans. I, I think it was a foregone conclusion what the vote would be um, and I think that um, like myself I'm a Bedfordian born and bred um, and I know that the Riverside needs development but I think the major point against it is, is the the size of the two major buildings. I'm a member of the U3A and my colleagues here were making a film about all this and we've interviewed uh, various people and we're going to follow this up um, and see what happens. I should make that clear that she opposes the opposes, plan, not, not approves no. the plan. No. Uh, um, and I also spoke to Jim Newton, who's a local resident, and he told me that they were hoping, ultimately, that the development would have been more attractive. The development we appear to have ended up with by a vote from, of five to four is one that is a particularly ugly piece of architecture. And, unfortunately, from, a, from the look and, and, and ambience of the area, we seem to have missed the boat totally. 
yes, we need that area to be commercially viable, but it would have been so much nicer had it been a design more in keeping with the modern riverfront. Now, there is already a cinema complex in Bedford. Mm. How is that going to be affected? Yes, that's right. Aspect Centre, which um, was brought up quite a lot last night, and It's a, um, a sort of cinema retail leisure complex just outside of the main drag. And uh, lots of people saying that it wasn't used. Um, and why would we want another multi-screen cinema that isn't to be used? People were saying, well, the rise of online viewing of, of uh, movies is, is changing the way that people do things. Um, but what the applicant was saying last night Colin McQuestion, uh, he was saying that it's a high quality development, a significant enhancement to the space uh, and what they would do is, is act as, or what, they, what the plan would be would be act as a a draw for Bedford as a way of uh, regenerating the town, as a way of stimulating growth. And he said that they'd already secured the uh, uh, the contracts of a number of high-profile uh, restaurants and uh, and developments, a view cinema, uh, places like Cafe Rouge and Strada. They've all signed up, and they've not just signed up, they've signed up for 20-year leases, so they aren't just... Nando's? Will there be a Nando's? Uh, no, but there might be a ZZ. Fantastic. Listen, we had a lot of negative calls on the show yesterday. Are there members of the public that are positive about this? Uh, well, the ones I know, not that I, I there are, but right. uh, the ones I I heard from in the main yesterday, certainly the ones that spoke at the meeting, were very much speaking up against it. The only people who were speaking in favour of the development was somebody speaking on behalf of the applicant and the applicant. Right. So it was limited, and the town's MP didn't think it was the right idea. I had a quick chat with Richard Fuller afterwards, as you heard. Uh, uh, Patrick Hall didn't think that the you know people from all sides were 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 concerned. However, the Liberal Democrats sort of who who are nominally sort of in charge of the of the town, although it's a sort of mayoral system, it's a Lib Dem mayor. Uh, I was shown around by Charles Royden at the end, who's the deputy mayor. And he said, uh, if we don't have this, we won't get any second chances. This is the only chance that we will have to have this sort of development. Everyone agreed that there needed to be something done, but no one. I think uh, it was very difficult to reach a consensus. As the applicant said, it's very hard. For you all to reach a consensus on this so if we don't have something like this then you're going to struggle to have anything at all it's 50 million pounds worth of development it's more housing for the town uh you know there are positives that they were talking about but in the main lots of people who were there certainly were opposed to it paul thank you very much indeed political reporter paul scoynes uh, 08459 455555 let's get the travel news now here's sophie tyler Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Heading south on the M1, one lane still blocked with slow traffic following a broken down vehicle just before Junction 11 at Dunstable. And two lanes are closed as well, heading north, queuing traffic following an accident. One car involved just in Junction 8 at Emma Hempstead and 9 at Redbourne. Now the A405 at North Orbital Road is beginning to look fairly heavy as well, just approaching the M25 Junction 21A roundabout. Everything else really not looking too bad at all. All seems to be moving nicely on the trains on the departure boards. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Sophie. Morning, it's 6.46. It's Tuesday, the 26th of March. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Advisory groups say an increasing number of people in the three counties are worried ahead of changes to disability allowance. Locals in Luton's Butley Road say they'll fight on, despite the council pressing ahead with plans to develop the area. 
In cricket, Luton's Monty Panassar has helped England to draw in the final test match. Coming up, a woman says she wants answers after missing her flight from Luton Airport because she got stuck in a lift at the Ibis Hotel. Well, Justin Dealey's been to meet her. We'll hear more from her before seven. I'm asking this morning, what have you been stuck in? 08459 455 555. We'll talk more after the weather with Sarah Thornton. Beds, Hearts and Bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thanks very much, Ian. Good morning to you. Another bitterly cold start out there. Again, that wind is biting from the east and it will continue to do so across Beds, Hearts and Bucks through the day today. And in fact, the next couple of days doesn't really start to ease until Thursday, in fact. But in the meantime, it's fairly benign weather. Cold and cloudy about sums it up for today and tomorrow and right the way through to the Easter weekend. Top temperature today on the thermometer may well say three degrees. Again, like yesterday, it won't feel like it. And don't be fooled by the lack of frost on the cars this morning. It is another very cold start with temperatures currently across beds, hearts and bucks hovering around the minus one Celsius mark. But pretty benign weather, another widespread frost through the night tonight, another dry, cloudy and cold day in prospect for tomorrow. And as I say, right the way through to the Easter weekend, although we were once speaking about the possibility of some wintry weather moving towards us, looks like that's going to stay away. So we'll generally be dry, but there is no sign of spring on the horizon, Ian. Yeah, thanks very much for that, Sarah. It's nearly April, for goodness sakes. On April the 1st, the welfare system undergoes its biggest change for 60 years. We're determined to reform welfare so that work always pays. There'll be new benefits, changes to existing ones and more responsibility for local government. They're not being guinea pigs, they're actually getting very, very close support and advice and actually I think this will be a tremendous success story. This week we'll be finding out what these radical changes really mean to beds, hearts and bucks. We're going to be £908 worse off. As usual, it just feels like we're wading through mud with this one. Now that I'm on benefits, I'm actually better off. Benefit changes, making it clear. This week on BBC. Three Counties Radio.
I don't think I've ever missed a flight. I don't think so. I tell you why, I'm one of those people that's overly cautious. And I get to the airport about three hours before the flight. So if there's any traffic or anything, I'm, I'm there in plenty of time. My wife, on the other hand, and my mother-in-law, it's the Greek thing. They, they do it by Greek time. So the, the flight will be at seven. They'll get, try and get there for about half past six. It's like, no, 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 no. Because in Greece, you can just do that. Honestly, the, the Greek airports are flipping awful. You can just wander on any time. Uh, they don't even check you properly. Over here, though, I like to be very, very cautious, and I leave very early, and I make time. We go and have a nice little meal or something, and, you know, plenty of time. But if you've missed your flight, maybe it's because you overslept or you got stuck in traffic. Well, incredible story now of a couple that missed their flight from Luton to Istanbul for a very different reason. Justin Dealey. Well, Justin, whereabouts are you? I'm in, I'm in Luton at the moment, Ian, and um, this story is just so, so bizarre. I think I've heard some excuses before, but... Um, why it, did she? Why did they miss their flight? What happened? Well, it's the story of Lynn Larson and her husband. Now, uh, they were flying off from Luton to Istanbul yesterday morning. They had an early morning flight, so what they did, they stayed in the Ibis Hotel, which is right next door to Luton Airport, just to be on the safe side, just in case they overslept. They thought, you know what, we'll, we'll book the hotel and we know at least we're there. Sensible. Then. Sensible. Yes. So early in the morning, uh, they've got their bags, they're packed, uh, they're heading down to reception to check out and then go to Luton Airport. And this is when disaster struck because they got stuck in the hotel lift. Can you believe that? That's Ouch. exactly what happened. Yeah. I spoke to Lynn yesterday morning. She clearly wasn't very happy. She was furious, wasn't she? And this is what she had to say. Well, we missed it because we were stuck in the lift in the Ibis Hotel at Luperton Airport for an hour and a half. It must have been quite scary in there for an hour and a half. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I felt quite panicky, you know. And where have you travelled from to be here today? We, we live in North Wales, so we travelled down yesterday to stay in this airport so we could get our flight because the flight was leaving at six in the morning but we were stuck in the lift from about quarter past four till about quarter to six so now you've missed your flight what's going to happen next well we've missed our holiday and we've also booked an internal flight in turkey well a few internal flights so we've missed all of them and hotels we've booked so I'm just hoping the insurance will cover it, but obviously we were looking forward to having a holiday as well. I mean, it's quite an unusual situation. Just explain how you feel right now. You must feel angry. I do, yes. I feel disappointed and I feel, yeah, I feel angry, but it's a bit, somehow it's somehow surreal at the moment. It's just happened, you can't quite take it in. You know, I can't believe this has happened to me. And when you spoke to EasyJet, what did they say about it? Well, the woman said, I've heard all excuses why people have missed their planes, but I've never heard that one before. But it's absolutely genuine. Yes, yes. And there were another couple in the lift with us, and I don't know if they managed to get their flight. They were going to Marrakesh. Well, that's, uh, that's an incredible story, Justin. Mm. What have the Ibis Hotel said about this? Well, we have a very long statement here from the Ibis Hotel. Are you quite ready for this? I'm not ready for all of yes. this. Uh, they say, we apologise for the inconvenience caused to the guest. We are looking into the matter, and we will be in contact with the guest to see how we can help. Oh. That's about as long as it gets from the Ibis Hotel. So, really? Yep, certainly more to come from them, hopefully. Hopefully we'll catch up with Lynn after seven. Some people may say, well, why couldn't she have caught a flight later in the day? Apparently, there wasn't a 
flight available. And you heard Lynn say there about the internal yep. flights. I think if she wants to go away for that whole week, she'd be playing catch up with the internal flights. Well, as listen, well. let's let's assume this is true for a second. Mm. I don't I don't know either way. Let's assume this is true. Then surely the very least the hotel can do is uh, refund her and, and pay for another holiday. Not for me to say. What what I can say to you is that uh, one of my colleagues spoke to a receptionist there yesterday, and they also oh. said there was a problem with the lift yesterday morning. Quite how long she was stuck in that lift for, that's a different issue, but in the words of Lynn, she was stuck in that lift for 90 minutes, which must have been quite terrifying. There, there was another couple in there as well. We haven't yet tracked them down, so if they are listening to this right now, yep. get in contact with the programme, but um, yeah, I don't think I've ever heard of that one before. No. I've heard about people missing flights because they woke up late and, and heavy traffic on the motorway, but certainly nobody who's missed a flight because they got stuck in a lift. Have you ever had that thing, Justin? I, I've, I've seen it to happen to other people, I've heard legend of it, where you're, you're booked in on, on economy hmm. and uh, the lady comes up and says, Mr. Dealey, um, <laughs> we are fully booked in economy, but we do have a couple of spare seats in first class. Would you like to be upgraded? <laughs> have you ever had that? It's not happened to me personally. It's no, never happened no. to me. I mean, I mean, you being a celebrity, surely it must have happened to you. <laughs> they, no, they, no, they think I'm Ralph Little and they don't oh, want right. to move me up there. <laughs> yeah. uh, Justin, listen, thank you very much for that. Thanks, well, where are you off to now? Heading off to the Wixoms. It's um, a story which we're oh, going to be yes. talking about anyway. It's in the Daily Mail today. The Wixoms estate in Bedford. Um, 300 people, we believe, have been fined there using a bus lane in the last two weeks alone. Yep. It's something like 33 foot, and um, there's a big diversion route as well. The locals there are not happy. I live in Hemelian, and there was a, a very similar situation about a year ago when the bus lane there, when it was first put in, caused absolute chaos. Everyone was being fined, and it certainly looks like this bus lane could be similar. So I'm heading off to the Wixom's estate in Bedford to find out a bit more. What I want to know from you, Justin, is I want to know, is it clearly flagged up it's a bus lane? Mm -hmm. And also, just if you spot anybody doing a sneaky little run through it, try and grab them if you can. Yeah, I I shall, I shall. Good work, Justin. I don't want to tell you your job. I know you're excellent. Justin Daly there. Thank you very much. 08459 455 Um, What have you been stuck in? I guess is uh, the uh, the question off the back of uh, that lift story. What have you been stuck in? We heard from a gentleman earlier on who well, he got locked into his bathroom. Uh, he ended up climbing out of his window, bleeding, just in his pants, stealing garden furniture. It's a very bizarre story. We'll, we'll put it if you missed it. You can hear it on the iPlayer, or we'll put it out as an audio boot. Uh, a little bit uh, later on, um, so you can uh, have another listen to it. But what have you been stuck in? My uh, in-law's house, the spare bedroom. Uh, I got locked in that once. It doesn't. It, it doesn't open from the inside. So I went in there for a doze, and I shut the door, peace and quiet, away from the kids and the family and all of that, and a little doze. A couple of hours later, I woke up, and I couldn't get out. And uh, I tried to phone my wife, but I didn't have uh, any battery on my phone. So I'm stuck there for ages. I'm banging on the door. No one can hear me, because they're downstairs watching Postman Pat at super loud volume. I think I, I think I was stuck in there for about 45 minutes. And then my father-in-law came upstairs to use the toilet, which is next door, and he heard me banging. And he came and rescued me. 08459... Four double five five double five is the telephone number. What have you been stuck in? Uh, you can also go to the Facebook page as well, facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You've been very feisty on the Facebook page. I do enjoy that. I, I love going... I read everything you write on there, by the way, so d- don't think it gets ignored if we don't read it on the radio. I do like watching you argue on there. Play nice. Don't be rude about each other, but definitely, definitely go on there and have a Barney. Lots of fun. You can see why I enjoy it so much. Here's the travel now with Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Southbound on the M1, one lane is still blocked and there's slow traffic following a broken down vehicle just before Junction 11 at Dunstable. Also have one lane closed heading north, queuing there following an earlier accident. One car involved between 8 at Hemel Hempstead and 9 at Redbourne. Anti-clockwise on the M25, looking slow where you'd expect in 26 at Waltham Abbey and 25 at the A10 for Enfield. Also fairly heavy as well, around 17 at Maple Cross. Now the Barnet Bypass is slow heading south in Stirling Corner and the Watford Bypass and the A405 at North Orbital Road looking busy as well just approaching the M25 Junction 21A roundabouts no major problems to update you with on the trains or moving nicely on the departure boards Sophie Tyler BBC Three Counties Radio thank you Sophie right coming up after seven there will be changes to the disability living allowance well it's, they're getting rid of it moving it to something different are you concerned are you confused by the changes well we'll do our best to explain them after the latest news with Serena Farrow Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. The headlines. Changes to disability allowance concerns people in the three counties. New bus lane means hundreds are fined in Bedfordshire and plans passed for Riverside in Bedford. BBC Three Counties Radio. Advisory groups say an increasing number of people across the three counties are worried ahead of changes to disability allowance. People who currently get DLA will be reassessed for a new benefit called personal independence payment. Well, Jane Jenkins from Luton Citizens Advice Bureau says she has one concern. The ATOS, who you may have heard of, are going to be doing the assessments. Um, These are the people who did the assessments for employment and support allowance, Mm. um, which found a lot of people fit for work who then when it come to appeal 40% won their appeals and were found actually not fit for work. Now nearly 300 people have been fined for driving through a Bedfordshire bus lane in the past two weeks. Enforcement cameras have been put in place on the Bedford Road running out of the Wixom's estate near Wilstead. The road links the A6 towards Bedford but Mark O'Leary who lives nearby says he was stopped by police there last year. The only excuse I'd say is they, they could perhaps have a sign either end of the um, of the road. If you live here I think most people are aware of oh, this is a bus lane, it's clearly signposted. Well, stay listening as Ian Lee will be speaking to the councillor in charge of transport at Bedford Borough Council in the next hour here on BBC Three Counties Radio. Elsewhere, local people wanting to prevent land being built on behind their Luton homes say they'll fight on, despite the council pressing ahead with plans to develop the area. Protesters around Butley Road suffered their latest setback at a meeting last night. One of the residents, Martin Stiff, says there's no, they're not being defeated just yet. I wouldn't like to say, I wouldn't like to wave the white flag yet, let's, let's put it that way. But um, we, we, want, we all go down fighting if we have to. At the end of the day, they'll, they'll carry on doing what they want to do, um, but we can just make our voices heard the best we can as just members of the public. In Bedford, a similar situation. Plans there to radically develop the Riverside have been narrowly approved at a council meeting. The Riverside North plans, including a multi-screen cinema, retail and residential developments, were passed by five votes to four last night. One of those campaigners, Jackie Horn, says she's now going to look at some other options. If I'm a Bedfordian born and bred, um, and I know that the Riverside needs development, but I think the major point against it is, is the, the size of the two major buildings. I'm a member of the U3A and my colleagues here, we're making a film about all this and we've interviewed uh, various people and we're going to follow this up and see what happens. 
Moving on to cricket now, and England managed to draw the final test and the series. They batted all day yesterday and closed on 315 for nine in New Zealand. Luton's Monty Panesar helped to save them. Weather then, and it will be quite bitter out, staying dry though. Feeling much colder than yesterday, temperatures dropping to three degrees Celsius. That's 37 in Fahrenheit. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, three minutes past seven, Tuesday the 26th of March. Very busy show this morning, very busy. Lots of you calling in, we'll get to the calls a bit later on. Some of the things we're talking about that you might want to have your say on include... Big changes are on the way next week if you claim disability living allowance. We look at what the changes are and how you'll be affected. I'll be speaking to a Hertfordshire woman in a few minutes about why she's worried she'll lose her benefits. What could be the country's shortest bus lane has been put in place on the Wixom's estate in Bedfordshire. Hundreds of drivers have been fined. I've seen a picture of it. Can we get a picture of it on the Facebook page? Because, well, as as a colleague has just emailed me saying, how on earth do these people not know it's a bus lane? It is... Well, I think it's quite clearly signposted. We'll put a picture on the Facebook page in the next few minutes. You can let me know. We've sent our reporter, Justin Daly, on his way there now. Go and have a chat with him. If, if you've been affected by it, if you uh, have driven through it, if you know someone who has, or if you think these people that are driving through it are complete muppets. And also, what have you been stuck in? A woman who got stuck in a lift for an hour and a half at a Luton hotel has told this programme she's fuming because she missed her flight to Turkey. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR or... Give me a call, 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Over three million people in the UK currently claim disability living allowance, costing billions of pounds a year. But big changes to the system are about to come into force. The benefit pays for things like adapted vehicles, care services and equipment to help people with disabilities have a reasonable standard of living. From October, those people will start being reassessed for a new benefit called PIP, Personal Independence Payment. That will replace DLA. Well, Denise Reeves is from Hertfordshire and currently gets DLA. Morning, Denise. Good morning. Can I ask, Denise, how much money do you get through the DLA? Well, I get a certain amount, um, about £50 a week for my mobility and another £50 a week for my personal care. And how that that £50 a week for your mobility, what do you use it for? I use it, well, I've changed over to a scheme called Motability, whereby I can lease a car. And it's like, well, I have a, n- a new car, so that I can get about. Okay, so this is this is a proper car, not one of those little buggy things. No, that's a okay. proper car. So, and and your money, your DLA, goes towards you leasing that car. That's right. And is it is it adapted for your needs? Well, no, my car is a ordinary automatic. Right. Okay. And can I ask Denise, is your car radio tuned into BBC Three Counties Radio? Um, oh. No. Denise! We'll no, no. S- we very naughty, Denise. We'll send oh, no. someone around to tune it in. How concerned are you about being reassessed? Um, incredibly. Um, 
some days I can do things, some days I can't. I mean, this morning, as soon as I got out of bed, I fell over. Right. Can, um, I, can I, Denise, can I ask a question? If it's too personal, then tell me to get lost. Yes. What, what is your disability? What, what's wrong with you? I had a head injury years and years and years ago. Mm. Um, 25 years ago, yesterday, actually. Mm. Um, and... I had to learn to do everything again. I had um, a brain injury right. that way. Wow, okay. And uh, listen, I, I uh, have relatives who have various conditions that, that are affected. Some days they're fine, and some days yeah. they're not so fine. It can be yeah. dependent on the weather, right. on stress, and all these kind of things. Is that the same for you then, Denise? Exactly, exactly. Um, uh, the new PIP does give you... Um, place to put down in the questionnaire that um, your condition is fluctuating. Mm. However, um, and it also gives you, they'd say, points, shall we say, for the amount or the level of pain that you live with. But that is also fluctuating. <laughs> so, hmm. so are, are you are you worried, Denise, that um, they kind of might assess you or, or, or see that that sometime, some days you're okay, and they might think, well, she doesn't need any money then if she's she, she's all right thirty exactly. percent of the time, then she 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 can jog on. Exactly. Um, they do say that everybody who's claiming DRA presently will be assessed face to face. Right. Um. We've just received our uprated letters, or updated letters or something. They should, be, should have been sent February, March time. Um, and there are, from April, this April, the PRP comes into force. From June, new claims for PRP or the old DLA. Um, there'll be no new claims received. It'll all go over to PIP. Um, in October of this year, reassessment for DLA claimants for, who have been awarded it for a fixed period, say it's ending, say, this December. Denise, how worried are you about these reassessments? Oh, incredibly. It's, as I said, it's, um, everybody will go to a face-to-face. And if it's, yeah, anything like my past experience in a really horrible building, which is really depressing, mm. uh, well, it's... And on a bad day, Denise, mm-hmm. how, how bad is it for you? Oh, I can fall over quite a few times in the day. Yes, it's um, um, rather unsettling. You think you've got to a certain stage in your life, but you can't count on anything. So and I'm far, far better off than some others. So, I mean, physically. What do you think about the government's welfare reforms, Denise? Uh, I don't think I can repeat that on public, in public, to be honest. Um, it's, uh, it's a occurs to me that we're going back to Dickensian times where it's a have and have nots. 
Well, Denise, listen, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, mm-hmm. I hope you have a, a slightly better day than you've had already with you getting out of bed and falling over. Thank you. Uh, we, we might speak to you in a few weeks or a few months' time just to see how you're getting on, if that's OK. OK, that's fine. Brilliant, Denise. Thanks yeah. very much for your time. Have a good day. And Bye. you. Bye-bye. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Her car's not tuned into BBC Three Counties, but I kind of thought it was worth pursuing, and it turns out it was. What a, what a lovely lady. And I think we may send Ollie, our work experience, round to her car. In fact, we may send him round to everyone's car. If it's not tuned into 3CR, then, uh, well, shame on you, and uh, we'll send Ollie round to sort it out. Uh, now, we're asking, what have you been stuck in? A lady, a couple, were stuck in a lift in a hotel at Luton Airport and missed their flight. Gary's from Kings Langley. Gary, what have you been stuck in? Morning, Ian. Yes, Morning. This brought, this brought back old memories of the days when, when uh, before e-tickets, when we still have paper tickets. Oh, I, I, I like the paper tickets. I don't like these, these things. I, I, I had to go get a flight the other day, or a couple of months ago. The ticket was on my phone. Oh, yeah. I don't I like that. I use it all the time. Oh, no, I don't like that. But go on, <laughs> sorry, carry on. So this was, this was back in the old days. Yeah, this was around about, I think, 80, 1987. I was in Israel with a g- group of archaeology students and a very boring archaeology professor. <laughs> and we right. had to fly, fly back via London to Johannesburg. Mm-hmm. And we needed to t- pick up tickets up from the El Al Airlines office in downtown Tel Aviv yep. on the morning of our flight. So we got stuck after we got the tickets got stuck in the lift in the El Ol building. Really? With our taxi driver waiting outside. Yeah, he rushed us to the airport, but we missed, we missed the connection to London. And we had to, uh, to wait for the next flight. This is kind of the, this lady's story, but in reverse. <laughs> so you're in El Al. And, and did, 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 were the, the, the company, were, were they apologetic? What did they say when they got you out of the lift? Well, not really. They just said, get in your taxi and get to the airport. <laughs> Get out and leave us alone. That most definitely is not lecker at all, is it? No, 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 not. Okay, but so you missed your flight, and uh, all because you're. I, I've never been stuck in a lift, Gary. It's one of my ambitions is to get stuck in a lift. That was about the. That was about the only time it happened to me. How long were you stuck in there for? About fifty minutes. Mm. Did and was it because whenever you see this on films or a TV program, there's always one woman who starts panicking and screaming. Was it, was, was there a panicker in there? Yeah, it was the professor who was panicking. It was, <laughs> a, it was six, six of us, and he was kind of responsible for us uh, as a group of students. Um, but why we were all in the lift, I, I can't think. If, if I think back now, it's stupid to send one person to pick, pick send up. Send one person to get... You don't send everyone in the lift. Gary, thank you very much. Turns out you've all been stuck in stuff. Carol in St Albans, what have you been stuck in? A church. Thanks for calling. What, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's all we need to... Morning, Ian. Good morning, Carol. How on earth did you get stuck in a church? Well, for years, Mother had been going from St Albans up to um, Yorkshire. Yes. Uh, Teesside. And um, had passed Gr- um, Grantham Church. Yeah. Do you know, she said, I have never been there. So she and I were driving north... And we we waffle. We, we oh, that takes our fancy, so we'll go. Yeah. Because we, we we've no time. We we got all the time in the world till we get where we're going. Good for anyway, you. Anyway, we stopped, and we went in the church about half past eleven. Worked out that we'd go to the Angel Inn, I think it was, for lunch about half past twelve, and then we'd carry on on our journey. Well, we were wandering around. Half past twelve, quarter to one came. And we couldn't get out. 
and we were banging on the door and shouting and I was looking through the big keyhole and people were looking over their shoulders though the devil was behind them. So hang on, so you got locked, someone locked the door? <clears throat> yeah. Oh dear. Yes. Um, it came to sort of quarter to, to two oh. and we managed to find a phone yeah. and rang somebody and he said, but I checked the church and, and they've got a little crypt. Yeah. And we must have been in there, and he didn't see us. Oh, dearie me. So we missed lunch. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, but we've had a good laugh over it since. Surely you should have got down on your knees and prayed your way out. Because <laughs> he, he'd be, he knew you were, the, you know, the big man knew you were stuck in there. Oh, yeah. I wanted to ring the bell, but Mother wouldn't <laughs> let me. <laughs> Carol, if I, I, I would have overruled Mother on that situation. Of course you should have rung the bell for help. That would have got them. Carol, thank you very much indeed. Carol in St Albans. You know when you ring the bells in churches, does it happen like it does on TV shows? Can you get pulled up into the belfry? Can that actually happen? You know, you, you see it on TV shows, they pull it, and then they don't let go, and they get pulled up into the belfry. 08459 455 555. Ah, 7.15, Travel News, Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Southbound on the M1, one lane is blocked and there's slow traffic following a broken down vehicle just before Junction 11 at Dunstable. Now northbound also have one lane closed in queuing traffic following an accident. One car involved there between 8 at Emerald Hempstead and 9 at Redbourne. Congestion is back to 7 at uh, the A414 there. Now anti-clockwise on the M25 looking slow where you'd expect at the moment particularly around 26 at Waltham Abbey and 17 at Maple Cross and the A405 at North Orbital Road still looking fairly busy at the moment approaching the m 20 at junction 21 and the Barnet Bypass also busy between Stirling Corner and Mill Hill Circus and uh, the A1M looking fairly busy as well also around Stevenage everything else not too bad this morning Sophie Tyler BBC Three Counties Radio thank you Sophie right 7.16 it's Tuesday the 26th of March I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio Advisory groups say an increasing number of people in the three counties are worried ahead of changes to disability allowance. Nearly 300 people have been fined for driving through a new Bedfordshire bus lane in the last two weeks. And in cricket, England have drawn in the final test, thanks in part to Luton's Monty Panesar. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks. There'll be a bitter wind this morning, but staying dry. Colder than yesterday, with temperatures dropping to three degrees. Coming up, last week we heard about the launch of the new 111 number in Milton Keynes to replace NHS Direct. Well, it's up and running in Hertfordshire already, but the British Medical Association are questioning the safety of the advice line. We'll hear more from them before 7.30. BBC Three Counties Radio. Tackling your consumer problems. On BBC Three Counties Radio. My son took it to, back to the, the garage. The mechanic says, yeah, I know what it is. So they took it in, done what they had to do, and the car was still the same, still doing the same thing. The JVS Show. Fighting for your rights. The long and short of it is, he agreed that he would replace the car. If you have a consumer problem, we can do the same for you. I'd like to thank you and your team for everything you've done. We wouldn't have got where we got without you. It's a pleasure. I'm going to call that a result. Any other problems, you know where I am, Stuart. The JVS Show. Fighting for your rights. Weekday mornings from nine on BBC Three Counties Radio. I had a fantastic evening last night listening to JVS on Listen Again whilst booking my speed awareness course. <laughs> I know. I... 
I know. I know. How naughty. Well, I'm going to go on this speed awareness course, and boy, oh boy, am I going to learn my lesson. But uh, it, was, it was wonderful, because I was slightly angry. I was listening to Jonathan's callers all be slightly angry. The perfect combination. Now, last week, we told you all about the launch of the new 111 number in Milton Keynes. It's replacing NHS Direct, so if it's not an emergency. You don't want to call 999. You dial 111. Uh, the, the scheme is, allows uh, handlers Harmony to reduce the workload of the 999 service. Well, it's already up and running in Hertfordshire and Buckinghamshire. Now, the British Medical Association say that some callers across the country are being left on hold for hours, and they're questioning the safety of the advice line. Well, Dr Richard Vautry is the Deputy Chair of the GP Committee at the British Medical Association and joins me now. Good morning, Doctor. Good morning. Doctor, what are your concerns about the new 111 number? Well, I think the principle of 111, providing a, an easy, uh, recognisable number for everybody to use instead of 999, is a good idea. The problem is, um, is the, the behind-the-scenes working, sort of, which isn't working as well as it should be. Uh, we have concerns that the, there aren't enough people sort of answering the calls, uh, so people are being held on sort of, for long periods of time. Some people are just not getting through at all. Uh, people are being given advice, uh, not by uh, clinicians, but by um, uh, lay call handlers and often using an IT system, which means that they're defaulting to um, giving advice about going to accident emergency or calling an ambulance um, or going to their GP, which may be inappropriate. Um, and many people are then seeing those people who actually would have been better self-caring um, if they'd been given more appropriate advice. When we spoke to someone uh, about this last week who was in favour of the 111, they said that y- you did just speak to a, to a phone-op to start with, but if the questions showed that you needed medical advice, you could speak to a nurse. That is true, but one of the problems is it's taking so long to actually go through the series of questions on the IT system um, that it's actually holding up everybody else actually getting um, uh, the necessary clinical input um, at that point. What there needs to be is far more clinicians directly in the 111 service, so it's actually very easy for someone um, who um, quite quickly realises that this is something that needs to, or somebody who needs to speak to a clinician, that that clinician is on hand either within the 111 service or within the out-of-hours service. One of the other problems is that in many areas, the funding for the out-of-hours service, uh, the GP service, um, has been stripped back, um, and um, simply they haven't got enough funding to provide um, enough clinicians to see enough patients. I've called up NHS Direct several times uh, with my boys, and um, I don't know who I was speaking to. I don't think they were necessarily medically trained to start with, and they would ask me the check standard questions, and then I would get a call back from a nurse, sometimes 30, 35, 40 minutes later. Are, Are you saying the 111 service is worse than that? Yes, often it can be worse than that. Right. Um, um, NHS Direct has been replaced by 111. In some areas, it actually is NHS Direct um, who are actually who have won the contract um, to provide 111 services. Some areas, it's ambulance services. In, in other areas, it's different organisations. And I think this is one of the problems: is that there is a degree of fragmentation sort of around the country. What should people do then if 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 they're unsure? Uh, should they still dial 111? Is 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 this the best option at the moment? In the daytime, um, they should ring their GP surgery, and um, their GP surgery's number hasn't changed. They should continue to contact their GP surgery in the normal way. Uh, If it is a a clear emergency, then obviously they should ring 999. Uh, But at other times, yes, they will have to use 111. That is the the best way to access the service. I think what we would hope is that over the coming weeks and months, as more experience is gained 
of the 111 service that the government do listen to us do invest more um, in providing sort of more staff so that patients do get a responsive service this is launching in milton Keynes uh, very soon and it's already up and running elsewhere do you, do you think that as more um, areas come on board that the service is going to be swamped i think this is one of the problems it what is happening at the moment in some areas it's um, what is called a soft launch um, which means that there is not a great deal of publicity sort of and uh, the numbers of calls going through the 111 service um, are fairly limited um, but they're even struggling with that level of, of workload um, as soon as um, it becomes the only service um, for patients to actually access um, 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 emergency services then um, it becomes much more challenging for the 111 service to be able to provide a comprehensive um, a response time sort of in the way that they should do Dr Richard Vautry, uh, Deputy Chair of the GP Committee at the BMA, thank you very much This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio Here's an interesting text from my wife just texted me, I'm very naughty, I've got my phone on in the studio I know, but she just texted me oh by the way our eldest son got model scouted in a shop the other week Model scout. Now, listen, my boy is gorgeous. It, 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 my boys are the best-looking boys you could ever see. Ever. And I, 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 I know every parent says that about their kids, but I actually mean it with mine. They're stunning. But model scouted in a shop. Instantly, I've been working here too long. Instantly, my head is thinking, scam, scam, scam alert. What, has this happened to you, dear listener? Have you had your kids or your grandkids and they've been model scouted? I'm going to get in touch with my wife and find out a bit more. I'm assuming someone came up and went, hey, wow, look, your son, your daughter, beautiful. I, I think we could uh, use them for modelling work. <clears throat> now, listen, if there's money to be made, oh, boy, if I can't send him up a chimney, I'll find another way to make money out of him. I, is it a scam? Have you had this happen to you? Oh, eight four five nine four double five five double five. Have you been approached saying that one of your children is absolutely stunning, could easily be a model, darling? Did you go for it? Was it successful or was it a cheeky scam? Obviously, we won't be handing any money over whatsoever. I need to find out exactly what happened here. Oh, eight four five nine. Four double five five double five. We're also talking this morning about getting stuck in things after a couple uh, were travelling from Luton. They got stuck in a hotel, got stuck in the lift, missed their flight to Turkey. What have you been stuck in? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. So far, it's split evenly between people being stuck in bathrooms and stuck in lifts. They seem to be the two main things. Lynn and Hemel, what were you stuck in? Hi. Uh, by the way, I've adopted Jog on. Oh, is that your phrase now? Yeah, I have a job. Jog on, loser. It's it's good, isn't it? Jog on. It's it's good, isn't it? I like that. Jog on. I love it. You can have it, Lynn. Thank you. What have you been stuck in? I'll credit you for it. Please do. Every time you say it, you have to do a little thanks to Ian Lee afterwards. I'll have to go, hello, Ian Lee told me to say this. Well, I got stuck in my bathroom. Uh Uh-oh. But I'm not going to take up your whole show with it like a previous caller. Are you having a dig at a previous caller? No, I'm just saying. I'm just saying, okay. <laughs> I like, there's, a, there's a real atmosphere this week on the show, between the, all the callers and all the guests. I don't know what it is. Yeah, but we're I, I all getting a bit on each other's wick, I think. I think we are. I like it. I like it. I love it. I'm, I'm like you. I like an argument. Don't oh, get I, nasty. I do love... No, you don't get nasty. I, I do like a good argument. I see it play as a good fair. sport. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Th- there are fair. rules to a good argument, and I enjoy them. Anyway, I God, so you, so. you got stuck in your bathroom. I got locked in my bathroom with a hand towel. Is that all? 
You, you were naked? Naked. Oi, Lynn. It's going to ruin you now. Oh, God, don't, don't even go there. I'm not. I was gorgeous in those days. Anyway, I got locked in my bathroom. Luckily, my bedroom window was open, but I yelled out of my bathroom window to anyone that would listen to call the fire brigade. Help! Naked woman stuck in a room! Yeah. yeah. And hey-ho, hey six firemen on my landing. Four. Me in a hand towel. <laughs> and Wait. one of the firemen said, Hi, Lynn, how are you? And I said, Hi, Trevor. And it was a boy I went to school with. Oh, Lynn. I'm sure I saw that. I've, I've seen this in a film somewhere. Yeah, probably. <laughs> did, it, did, what, did, did anything... They, they rescued you and that was that? Then nothing. There was no romantic developments? No, but I'm actually toying with locking myself in my bathroom today. Oh, Lynn, go away. You're very, very naughty. Very, what, what, what has Lynn been drinking? What's in the water in Hemel today? There's something that's made her very fruity. Lynn, go and have a cold shower and, and don't lock the door. Nicholas is in Buckingham. Good morning, Nicholas. Good, good morning, Ian. I think yes. we all need to calm down after Lynn's call. It's a bit raunchy. I know. <laughs> Dear me. I wasn't, I wasn't naked. I worked for Royal Mail. Yes. And we'd had a big purge on looking after, you know, your lifting and stuff like that. Yes. And the firm on the industrial estate in Buckingham do quite a lot of business with us. So they put the stuff in the bags. Yes. I've taken the bags into the lift. Yes. It's a glass lift all round, just newly installed. It was, I got halfway down and it stopped. Oh. And I was in the lift for two hours oh. with everybody coming up and down the stairs and um, waving at me. Oh, no, and, so you didn't, uh, exa- didn't even have the privacy of being, everyone could see you stuck in the exactly. lift. Exactly. I was quite a spectacle there. So, and after one hour, the chap said, we're all right. He said, the lift engineer is on his way. I said, where is he in the moment? And this is a spooky thing. He was stuck in traffic in Emmerenstead. <laughs> well, there you go, you see, <laughs> Nicholas. How, how embarrassing. Being stuck oh. in a lift is fine because, you, you know, you're private. But everyone watching you... Watching, yeah. I was there. I was there. It offered them some quite amusement. For two hours, I was stuck there with my van locked up outside because they came for it, and that's Royal Mail policy. We always have the van locked up. And with the special deliveries, the chap came halfway up the stage, said, excuse me, he said, is there any chance I could have my special deliveries out of one of those bags? I said, you could, sir, if you went and got a sledgehammer. Wait a minute, so he wanted you to somehow pass in the special delivery yeah. through the broken yeah. lift? Yeah, which is all, lo- you know, locked in and everything, yeah. Yeah, but there was a cheeky little monkey. Nicholas, I'd have been tempted to feign madness and stripped off. I'd have stripped off in there slowly. It sounds like there's that actress, isn't there? Til- Tilda Swinton, is that the actress's name? Who's now an art installation. She has a glass box in a gallery, and she goes and sleeps in there. Wow, man, trendy. I'd, I'd be up for a bit of that. I once did an art, a performance art piece. I got paid a lot of money for it, that's why I did it. Called Audience Performer Jog On. It wasn't called Jog On, it was a little bit rude. Basically, I had to go and stand in front of an audience for 20 minutes and just tell them what I could see. I know, I know. £2,000. Oh, performance art pays very, very good. Right, let's get the travel news now. Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Heading north on the M1, one lane is still closed and there's queuing traffic following an earlier accident. One car involved between 8 at Hemel Hempstead and 9 at Redbourne. Looks like congestion is back to Junction 7 at the moment. Now, anti-clockwise on the M25, we're looking at delays between 26 at Waltham Abbey and 25 at the A10 for Enfield. Also, so between 17 at Maple Cross and 16 at the M40. Everything else not too bad. A few usual hold-ups, the Barnet Bypass southbound, slow between Stirling Corner and Mill Hill Circus. And the A405 North Orbital Road also fairly busy, just approaching the M25 Junction 21A roundabout. Everything else looking good on the trains as well. No problems on the departure boards. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Sophie. 7.30, let's get the news and sport now with Serena Farrow. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. A Hertfordshire woman says she'll be on the breadline without her disability allowance. Changes to the system coming to force next week. Nearly 300 people have been fined for driving through a new Bedfordshire bus lane in the past two weeks. Elsewhere, people wanting to prevent land being built on behind their Luton homes say they'll fight on, despite the council pressing ahead with plans to develop the area. And nurses will have to work providing basic patient care and hospital wards for up to a year in future. That's either before or during their degree. That's the latest news now let's get up to date with all the morning sport beds hearts and bucks sport bbc three counties radio kicking off with cricket then england managed to draw on the last day of the final test against new zealand they closed on 315 for nine to ensure the series finished level after three drawn games luton's monty panasar helped to save england along with stuart broad this is how it all ended through the eyes of kevin howells Bowls to the final ball in, defensively played by Matt Pryor. He raises his arms, the bat in the air. Monty will go down to pat him on the back. Somehow, somehow, England have saved it. Turning to football now and Luton Town's conference match at home to Ebbsfleet tonight's been postponed. Officials looked at the Kenilworth Road pitch yesterday and decided it wouldn't be playable because of snow and ice. Elsewhere, Watford's on-loan midfielder Nathaniel Chalabar played in the England under-21 squad last night. They beat Austria 4-0 in a friendly in Brighton. And finally, Stevenage caretaker managers praised the club's players for their attitude since the sacking of Gandhi Smith. Though Borough lost to Tranmere on Sunday, Mark Roberts says he's proud with how the lads have handled the situation. The way that they've responded to the, the situation that we've all had to deal with has been uh, nothing short of magnificent and uh, it'll be a big learning curve for them and uh, hopefully they take those lessons in a positive, uh, positive fashion and uh, we move forward and finish the season as strong as possible. BBC Three Counties Radio, there'll be more from me at eight. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, lots coming up in the next 30 minutes, but one of the stories we're discussing this morning is what could be the country's shortest bus lane has been put in place on the Wixom's estate in Bedfordshire. It was created in the middle of Kingsway Road, cutting off the access to the state. The estate. Well, hundreds of drivers have been fined in the last couple of weeks. The story's been picked up by a couple of the papers. But do you have much sympathy for them? We're asking this morning, have you spotted this bus lane? Is it confusing? Is it, is it tucked away? Well, Justin Dealey's there. Justin, is the bus lane visible? Uh, yes, Ian. I'm going to be brutally honest with you. I'm right next to the bus lane right now. It's uh, probably about 32 foot, as you describe. On the road, bus only. Clearly marked. And also signs that say there as well, bus lane at Canberra. To me personally, and this is just my personal view, it's visible as a bus lane. A very quick word here with Eddie. Eddie, you're a lorry driver. You're parked in the lay-by next to this bus lane right now. 300 people fined in the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. 
Be honest, have you got any sympathy for these drivers whatsoever? None, none whatsoever. Can tell us why. You can't miss the road signs and they're there for a reason. It's really well marked, so to save less than a minute to go round it is ridiculous. So anybody who says it's not signed properly, it's a cash cow, they're talking absolute rubbish as far as you're concerned? Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah, 100%. And we've been here for, what, 10 minutes already? Somebody has gone through that bus lane, haven't they? They have, yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed. No so there you go. There's Eddie, who's a lorry driver, parked yep. up right next to it right now. Um, the pictures will be on our Facebook page, also in the Daily Mail today. From what we can see here, yes, it is clearly marked, but obviously others may disagree with that. I'll be honest, I've seen the picture. If you drive through that, you're a Muppet, and you deserve to get fined, because it says in huge letters on the road, bus lane, it's a different mm. colour, there's a blue sign, it's obvious, isn't it? But why are so many people getting fined? 300 in two weeks, we have another local resident live before 8 o'clock, also a response from Bedford Borough Council, from what I'm seeing this morning, from what you're seeing, Ian, yep. it clearly looks like a bus lane. Justin, we'll speak to you a bit later on, thank you. If you want to see a picture of that, it should be on the Facebook page now, or very soon, facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Now, campaigners calling for a drug to be, a ma- uh, to be made available to treat a rare life-threatening disease, which was discovered by a Hertfordshire doctor, are taking their fight to Downing Street. The disorder, called AHUS, affects the immune systems. People who suffer with the condition say the government is prioritising saving money over saving lives. Well, Dr Paul Warricker from Hertfordshire helps to uncover the disease and is a leading kidney specialist based at the Lister Hospital in Stevenage. Morning, Doctor. Morning. What is AHUS? Well, it's an extremely rare condition, but extremely serious. It, it strikes out of the blue. Uh, it's an immune system which affects the blood and causes uh, blood clots to form in vital organs, including the heart brain and the kidneys and patients are often left condemned to dialysis at the end of the condition or worse many patients die with the condition. This this drug aside what treatments are available? Well the treatments aren't very effective um, certainly there have been improvements in care of patients with this condition uh, used to have a mortality oh, slightly used to have a mortality in excess of 50% and in some families they used to have a mortality of 80% mm. Now, most patients can be saved with the condition, but it still has a mortality of about 30-40%. The treatments are very invasive. They involve putting catheters into people's hearts, mm. uh, special types of treatment known as plasma exchange, which are particularly traumatic in young children and infants who are often affected with this condition. So what's this drug that, that you want to be made available? It's, it's a very effective drug that targets the immune system and switches off the immune system very selectively. It's given as a, an infusion. It's a lot less traumatic for the patients who receive it. Uh, and certainly our experiences, it appears to be very, very effective. Patients respond sometimes very quickly, sometimes within hours, mm. whereas current treatment can sometimes take days or even weeks to have an effect, if it has an effect at all. It's expensive, though, isn't it? Yeah, it is expensive. Um, it, it is very expensive. But there aren't very many patients affected with this condition. And I, I think in, in the NHS there has to be room for these very rare, serious conditions that are expensive, as well as more common, cheaper conditions. How much is it? Well, for a, to treat a patient for a year, it probably costs in excess of £200,000, £250,000. It, right. It's very expensive. With cuts being made everywhere, the NHS in particular... Some people might argue, well, if it's such a rare condition, that's a lot of money to spend per year on a, on a few patients. 
I do understand that. I do understand that argument. And certainly in a cash-strapped economy, we're, we're not naive. But it's such a serious condition. It affects young people uh, and patients often die with this condition. And this is a very effective treatment. It's much more effective than the treatment we have at the moment. It's the only licensed treatment for this condition. And we'd certainly encourage the government to reconsider their, their decision. OK, Dr Sayex, we're going to speak now to Emma Woodward. Morning, Emma. Morning. Emma, you've got this condition, haven't you? I do, yes. When did you find out you had it? Um, when I was at university... 22 and out of the blue I got very unwell um, and within a few weeks I was in intensive care with heart and respiratory failure. What did you think was wrong initially? Um, I just thought I had the flu like everybody else, like all my friends but I just didn't seem to recover very well and I had no idea that um, I had um, any kind of genetic problem that could lead to this. And can I ask, how old are you now? I'm 38. Okay, so you've had it for, for a while. How does it affect your life now? Well, I have to do dialysis now. Um, I, I can't spend more than two days away from a dialysis machine. Um, I have to be very careful about what I eat. I have to be very careful about uh, how much I drink. I can't just go to the tap and get a drink of water because um, you have to be so strict about the fluid that you take in. Well, in what way strict? The, the amount of fluid or amount, wh- where it yeah. comes from? I'm supposed to only drink about 500 mil um, a day, which is the same size as a bottle of a Coke, uh, small bottle of Coke. That, that would that, that on its on its very own would, uh, would 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 drive me mad. What do you do when you get thirsty? Um, ice cubes. Really. <laughs> And just suffer it, really. It's, it's terrible. It's very difficult for all dialysis patients. Of course it is. And I imagine if you, if you can't be... You have to be near a dialysis machine all the time. I'm guessing that means you can't go on holiday and things like that. Well, we can go on holiday, but we have to organise, I have to organise it ahead of time, you know, months ahead of time. Um, I can only go where they have dialysis centres. Mm. So it really is very, very restricting, which is uh, why this drug is so miraculous for me. And you've had a... Have you had a kidney transplant already? No, it would allow me to have... A, well, I've had one, yeah, sorry, from my mum, but that right. failed within a few days, right. which is obviously devastating. Um, but this, this drug would allow me to have a successful transplant for the... For, I, I, was, I was told for... Uh, in 2000, I would never be allowed to have another transplant because it would inevitably fail. Mm. Um, and then a few years ago, they gave me the hope of this drug and, and the possibility of a successful transplant. So, Doctor, what would, what would this drug, how would this drug affect Emma's life and change her life? Well, em- Emma's condition is, is a classical example of this mm. condition. Uh, once you're on dialysis, the disease does recur in transplants. And it can often come back very quickly, sometimes within a matter of a few days. Mm. This drug will enable Emma to have a transplant uh, reduce the risk of the disease coming back in the transplant and certainly make it a lot safer and as things stand it would be far too risky to put her through this procedure mm. Emma you obviously want this drug uh, available what do you think of the decision not to release it? Uh, well we, we deplore the decision or I deplore the decision to not release it I can't believe that the, uh, the, the government expects us to go through a repeat process um, to try and get this drug um, and yeah it's, it's devastating for me and all the patients that I know Doctor, why, what have the government said about this? What, what is their official position on this drug? Unfortunately, they've rejected the advice of their own advisory group and, and they've, uh, they've referred it back to NICE. Uh, the problem is that the, the whole process is changing uh, on April the 1st. It's going to introduce delays into the system. There's no guarantee it'll be approved uh, and, and patients like Emma are going to have to carry on waiting for even longer. And what reasons have they given for not approving? Is it financial? Is it because they don't think the tests are, are thorough enough? It, it's affordability, I think, right. it's, it's a major factor. And Emma, how does that make you feel that your um, your quality of life is uh, is down to costs? Well, no, you sort of see where where money's being spent, and then you, it makes you feel slightly worthless. To be honest, you you just you expect your, your government to show you some compassion and and people to show you some compassion and and, and get you out of 
of this situation. It, it feels terrible. Can I ask you a question? When there was a story last week that, that intrigued me, and I just want to get your reaction on it. it. It sounds like I'm going off on a tangent, but there is a reason. That the government are giving West Ham United, the football team, £60 million pounds <gasps> to buy the, um, the Olympic Stadium for them. Right. When you hear something like that, £60 million quid to a football team to buy a stadium, how does that make you feel? Um, well, it's, it's difficult because I know lots of cases of people whose lives could be transformed. Mm. I've heard of, pa- of, of people who have died from this condition. Um, so, it, obviously, it's, 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 it's very frustrating and it makes me... I, I get quite angry, to be mm. honest. Mm. To be brutally honest. Doctor, is there any hope for the, 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 the government might change their mind? Well, we, we're going to keep pressing the government to try and reconsider this decision. Uh, many, many of my clinical colleagues believe it's a very effective drug and make a big difference to patients' lives, and we hope the government reconsider. OK, listen, thank you very much, Dr uh, Paul Warricker, for coming on. Uh, Emma, thank you very much. Thank you. Best of luck. Thank you very much indeed. OK. Oh, wait, four five nine four double five five double five. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number if you want to uh, give us a call. It does strike me as amazing that the government can give sixty million pounds to uh, to West Ham United so they can buy a stadium. They can buy a stadium. Hey, here's you know you're a really rich football team. Have sixty million pounds of taxpayers' money so that you can move to a better stadium. Go on. And then you get people like Emma, whose life is ruined by a disease that could be treated. But the government, oh, we haven't got enough money, I'm afraid. No, we, we, we really haven't got enough money to help out. Good luck. Anyway, back to the football. 08459 455 555. What have you been stuck in? Uh, a couple missed their flight because they got stuck in a hotel lift. What have you been stuck in? Luanne in Flittick, what have you been stuck in? Morning, Ian. Morning, Luanne. I have been stuck in an old metal dustbin. <laughs> I was not expecting you to say that! <laughs> When and how did that happen, you fool? Uh, I was about 14, I think. Uh, It was high school, I remember that much. And I was in a school play called Tim Pan Alley. All right. And it was all about gangsters and, you know, the good and the bad and all that kind of stuff. It was a really good school play, musical, loved it. And uh, because I was one of the smallest cast members, I said, oh, yeah, we we need to get this this scene where you all hide in these bins or behind bins. And they decided to stick me in this bin. Yeah. Uh, rehearsals went absolutely brilliant. We all managed to, you know, get through those. They always do. They always do, yes. Yeah, opening night was brilliant. All worked out. Second night, they couldn't get me out of the bin. Um, I don't know what went wrong, but they could not get me out. So anyway, they decided to sort of tip the bin over so that I could sort of crawl out because I was kind of knees up around my chest for about 25 minutes. And they let go of the bin. And I ended up rolling down the stage, in the middle of the stage, down the steps and right into the middle of the audience. (laughs) They got it on, I I can't remember if they got it on camera, but they definitely got it on um, an audio Mm -hmm. of me going doink, 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 doink. Ouch! Somebody get me out of here. That, that, and I, I, there is no way. I try to imagine. I don't think there's any way you can emerge from a, a dropped bin with any dignity whatsoever. Can you? <laughs> it created a laugh or two. I remember that much. <laughs> Luan, listen. Maybe, maybe next week. On, on, I'm, I'm in on Monday. I'm off on Friday because it's Good Friday. But I'm in on uh, Easter Monday. We might try and get a bin and recreate that scene. Would you be up for that? Uh, well, yeah, I give it a go. But the trouble is, I'm like nearly thirty. <laughs> 
makes it all the more fun. <laughs> Luanne, listen, thank you very much indeed. 08459 555555. We've got a feature for Monday's show, producer Laura. We're going to get Luanne, we're going to stick her in a bin again. We're going to recreate the scene from 27 years ago. And stick her in a bin, or the, the 17 years ago. I don't know, age her. Sorry about that. Right, 7.45. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Sophie Tyler. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Heading north on the M1, it is still queuing, I'm afraid, following the earlier accidents. One car involved there between 8 at Hemel Hempstead and 9 at Redbourne. Congestion is back to Junction 7, although all lanes have been reopened now, so hopefully it will start to ease up a little bit. Anti-clockwise on the M25, it's still looking at delays between 26 at Waltham Abbey and 25 at the A10 at Enfield. Also slow with delays around 15 minutes in 21 at the M1 and 18 at Chorleywood. Still very slow, around 16 at the M40. Everything else not too bad this morning, a few usual hold ups around Chesant on the A10 heading south at Winston Churchill Way and the Barnet Bypass also slow between Stirling Corner and Mill Hill Circus everything else looking good trains moving nicely Sophie Tyler BBC Three Counties Radio thank you Sophie 7.46 it's Tuesday the 26th of March I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio A Hertfordshire woman says she'll lose her independence when her disability allowance is taken away from her next week. Locals in Luton's Butley Road say they'll fight on despite the council passing plans last night to develop the area. In cricket, England have drawn the final test thanks to Luton's Monty Panesar in the closing stages of the game. 7.46, let's get the weather now with Sarah Thornton. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, it's minus two in the Chilterns, zero degrees around Harpenden and uh, plus one in one or two spots in Beds, Hearts and Bucks. But generally, we're looking at another very cold start this morning. That biting easterly wind still very much playing a part in our weather because there's a significant wind chill coming from that. We'll see a high today of plus three Celsius. Because of that wind, it certainly will feel much colder. Cold and cloudy generally, although there are some breaks starting to appear in the cloud here and there, especially to towards the north. The next few days will continue with the theme of widespread frosts at night, although not particularly icy, uh, but it will be very cold overnight and cold by day two, with highs struggling up into the low single figures and well below where they should be for the time of year. We'll slowly lose the wind by about Thursday, but through the Easter weekend, we stay cold and fairly cloudy, although generally it looks like we'll be dry. Ian. Sarah, thank you very much. Easter weekend on BBC Three Counties Radio. Good Friday from six. It's Helen Lee. So what does Easter mean to you? Is it the most important weekend in the Christian diary or a food fest? From nine, Colin Berry. I'll have more nostalgia with orchestras and singers depicting music radio like it used to be. From 11, Richard Williams. I'll be here with some local stories, live guests and a man having a manicure. From two, Three Counties Sport. There's live commentary on Watford versus Burnley, Hartlepool against MK Dons and Stephen away to Crawley. From six, Jerry Byrne. Join me for some of the very best Irish music and much more. Good Friday on BBC Three Counties Radio. Richard there talking about how he's going to have a gentleman having a manicure on his show. I've had a manicure. Is, is, is there anything wrong with it? It's nice. I've not had one for a while, but I, I, every now and then I have a little manicure. It's nice to have your nails all buffed up and even your cuticles done. Not quite sure what a cuticle is, but I know they do your cuticles. 
Well, I shall be listening with interest to that, Richard, and we shall be seeing. 08459 455 555. Now, almost 300 people have been fined for driving through a bus lane in Bedfordshire. It's only 33 foot long. Residents trying to get out of the Wixom's estate near Wilsted have to drive along the A6 to avoid the lane. It was created in the middle of Kingsway Road, cutting off access to the estate. The enforcement cameras were put in place two weeks ago. Well, we've sent our bus lane correspondent, Justin Dealey, there. Justin! Yes, hello, Ian. I mean, you've seen the photographs this morning. Yep. Uh, they're in the Daily Mail, also on the BBC Three Counties Radio Facebook It's on the page. Facebook page now, and I'm just looking mm. at it. That, that is obviously a bus lane. You would think so. You would think so. It Obviously, says bus a... only in huge <laughs> letters. <laughs> hey, listen, I've been on that BBC Impartial course, and oh, I've yeah. got to try and play the rules here. But uh, I'm looking at it right now, as you say, it says bus only in huge letters. That is clearly marks on the road, and either side you've got lampposts, and on one of those lampposts it says bus lane cameras. And that's not just from one side, that's on both sides as well. It's a very, very small bus lane, only, what, 32 foot, but as you mentioned, 300 people have been fined in the last two weeks. Why? Let's try and find out. Letitia's here. Letitia, you live on the Wixom's estate. You live about, what, half a mile away yeah. from this bus lane camera. Have you got any sympathy? Looking behind you, there is the bus lane. Have you got any sympathy for anybody who's been fined in the last couple of weeks? Uh, no, I'm afraid I haven't. Um, the bus lane itself, um, although it's extremely small, this little road was used as a real rat run, and it, it doesn't take a two mile detour to actually use the A6 properly, it would add just a few, well a few, half a minute maybe at the very most um, and basically um, this little lane here where the bus lane is, um, it allows access um, for the children to get to their um, catchment schools by bike and by foot and people were actually using this, you know, and driving terribly fast, um, 60-70 miles an hour just to save themselves half a minute. So you're delighted this I'm is here? I'm really pleased. I mean, I'm interested to know. It's a huge amount of money, though, um, that they're making, and I'm very interested to know where that money's actually going. Well, Justin, can um, I interrupt you? Can I interrupt you and Letitia for a second? We have got Charles Royden on the line, who's the deputy mayor and portfolio holder for Environment and Transport at Bedford Borough Council. We'll come back to you in a second, Justin. Charles, there's, there's a question from Letitia there. Where, where does this this money go? All the money that we raise, we put back into road safety measures, so that across Bedford, we're installing not just. Um, these cameras on bus lanes, but we're also installing average speed cameras in residential areas where we've got high levels of speeding. That's going to enable people to stay safe in their homes, children to be able to go to school, people to be able to use the footpath and the bicycle lanes, which, you know, at the moment is quite dangerous in some places because people travel so fast in their cars. So 100% of the money from this bus lane is going towards road safety? It's, it's, it's actually better than that. You know, we're investing more than we're getting back. <laughs> that's, right. the fact, that's, that's the fact. This isn't a cash cow. Um, someone just asked us recently, how much money are you making from our camera enforcement vehicles, which we use to go around schools and track people who are, you know, parking on zigzags outside schools. We've actually invested more money in the cars we've had back in fines. So it's not, nothing to do about raising money. It's about keeping people safe. It's, uh, why was the bus lane introduced? It was part of the planning conditions when that estate was built. Um, this is nothing to do with the Borough Council. This is just the inspector decided that, you know, in order to give people some kind of uh, comfort in their own homes, he couldn't have masses of cars just driving through this particular place. So it was allowed to be a bus access and people on their bicycles and, and, and walking, but not as a rat run for cars. And so this is just part of the planning conditions of that estate. And the fact is, we, we've had a lot of problems with buses which have been going through, because it's, it's quite a narrow point, it's a pinch point. Mm. And cars have been racing 
racing through. We've had near misses with buses. So the bus companies, are, you know, have been in a state where they've had to stop the buses because people have been trying to squeeze past, going the wrong way. It's just really horrendous the way people have been driving. So this is a, a godsend. It's a safety measure and something which is going to bring a lot of relief to the people who live there who have had this rat run going. Now, Charles, I've I've seen the picture. Justin Dealey, our reporter, who's there this morning. It, 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 we were both shocked that anybody could could think this was anything other than a bus lane. It's very very obvious. Yet yeah, three hundred drivers have ignored the signs in the last two weeks. Why is that? Do you think? God only knows. But you know, someone said to me, when you get the camera vehicle and you start driving around outside schools and catching people who park on zigzags, they're going to stop doing it. But they haven't. And people really are quite irresponsible sometimes. A, a minority of people, but still a significant number, are, are quite irresponsible in the way in which they park and drive and put their own safety and the safety of others at risk. It's, it's quite worrying. It's only 30 foot long. Does is, is, is it really make a difference? Well, it's not, the, it's not the, the length. It's the fact that there aren't supposed to be cars going through there. This mm. is a, a bus-only access. Vehicles are not allowed to go there. You know, ordinary cars are not allowed to use it. It's for buses, it's for cycles, it's for people who are walking to school, and it's very important that it's kept that way, otherwise we're going to have a very serious accident. The story's getting a, a lot of attention. The Daily Mail have picked up on it. it, it, it it's not great for the council, is it? Oh, I think, you know, if you criticise about the Daily Mail, that, someone would regard that as a badge of honour. No, look, know what you mean, yes. pe- people, people will always bang on, you know, if they think the council's going to make money. I've told you, we're not making money. Uh, they will not look at the bigger picture and see that this is about saving lives. Uh, the, as a council, we don't have to do the thing which is, you know, sort of going to make popular headlines. We have to do the right thing to keep people safe and look after the people in our borough. Uh, very quickly, Charles, before I let you go, uh, your reaction to the approval of the Riverside North development in Bedford last night? Well, thank God. It's a, it's a lifeline for Bedford. Um, £50 million pounds worth of investment coming into our town. Some towns would die for that kind of investment. When other towns are withering on the vine, Bedford will not be one of them. We'll be leading the way. We've got all this money coming in now. It's going to be great for the economic viability of Bedford going forward. I am absolutely over the moon. A lot of people very upset by it, though, and the design of it. And it, isn't it sad that people have been wound up the way that they have by a, a campaign which has been quite political and you know over the years i've seen bedford held back by party politics and this is so good now that we've got a chance to all pull together and see the future of our town and see shops thriving and bedford doing a one going forward wonderfully when other town centers are dying Charles, I appreciate your time this morning. Thanks for coming on. Much obliged. There we go. It's Charles Royden. We can go back to Justin. Justin, we, we did answer Letitia's mm. question. The money uh, being made from this is, is being poured back into road safety. Absolutely. Um, Letitia, your reaction to that? All the money going back into road safety. Are you happy with that? Yes, I am. Absolutely. Um, and we've, we've just seen a little boy actually cycle to school now um, whilst we've been here in the freezing cold. <laughs> so, so you think this has clearly improved safety in your local community. One final question for you. Again, looking at the signs here, our listeners can see those on the Facebook page. Let's get straight to the point here. Anybody who drives through that bus lane and gets fined, do you think they are just an idiot? Yes or no? Yes. Thank you very much indeed for your time. <laughs> there you go. You can't put words into people's mouths. I didn't like. at all. I asked the question, yes or no. And this morning we heard from a driver earlier on, Ian, the signs are here. Yeah. The signs are here. We're, we're going to try and find somebody later who's driven through this. Somebody just drove through it a moment ago. Yeah. But um, just to go back to a point about buses, I've been here since, what, 7.15 this morning, mm. and it's a bus lane. I have seen one bus that's gone through that bus lane. Is right. that enough? I don't know. We've got uh, some comments on Facebook. Is uh, Trudy says, "Ah, oh, well, if the drivers can't read. Uh, Stephen says, that's a bus lane, that is. Mike, clear as day. Emma Jane says, a friend of mine got caught on camera there last week. Dimpner, it's mm. crystal clear. People who drive in the bus lane deserve 
everything they get. Well, uh, and Amy, but Amy makes the point. I think it's clear, but that's not the point. It's cutting off access, meaning people have to drive two miles, which is just stupid. Now, th- 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 I'm, I'm, I think this might be a Daily Mail myth. They don't have to drive two miles, do they? So how big well, is well, the detour? Well, Letitia's here. Letitia, again, that, that question on the detour, the Daily Mail saying two miles, you're saying it's not a two-mile detour, no, are you? absolutely not. Um, if you were to um, basically not use this road at but all you- and you were to go from Wixom's into Bedford using the A6, it would honestly be not even... It would be at the very, very most a quarter of a mile extra on your journey. quarter of a mile, not two miles. Justin, do me a favour. Mm. Between now and the next time we speak, can you, can you do that little journey for us and time it? I shall do that journey and time it just for you, Ian. Do the detour and time it, Justin. Excellent stuff. I, l- I like to keep you busy. Yes, thank you, Ian. Yeah. I know you do. I know look, you look do. Look at him. He's off for a cheeky fag. Justin, thank you very much indeed. 08459 455 555. We'll get him to do the detour. I'm suspicious of this, the, the, this claim in the Daily Mail that it's, it's two miles and it adds, you know, minutes to the journey. If you've been, I, I, Go and look at the Facebook page. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. How can anybody not notice that's a bus lane? It says bus lane in huge letters on the floor. That section of road, that 30 feet of road, is a different colour. There are signs up saying it's a bus lane. Like, I'm looking at the picture now. There's a sign that says bus lane cameras. It's so obvious. It's so obvious. If you've been caught going through there, in the past few weeks, and you've had a little fine come through your uh, letterbox. Could you give me a call and tell me what on earth were you thinking? What, at what point did you think, ah, do you know what? I know it says buses only. I know it says bus lane cameras, but I'm, I'm going to take that risk. I've got no sympathy f- for you whatsoever. 08459 455 555. If that's affected your journey in any way whatsoever, I'd love to hear from you this morning. You can also go to the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash... BBC 3CR. All right, let's get the travel news now with Sophie. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Starting off heading north on the M1, the accident has been cleared around Junction 8 at Hemel Hempstead, but it was causing problems back to around Junction 7, actually. But northbound, still looking busy, particularly at Hemel Hempstead at Junction 7, just the backlog there of the earlier issues. Now, Londonbound on the M1, also fairly slow between 11 at Dunstable and 8 at Hemel Hempstead. And anti-clockwise on the M25, delays between 26 at Waltham Abbey and 25 at the A10 for Enfield. Also slow again, I'm afraid, between 21 at the M1 and 18 at Chorleywood, and also slow around junction 16 at the m40 everything else not too bad a few usual delays but nothing's going to hold you up for too long at all trains are looking good on the departure boards at the moment sophie tyler bbc three counties radio coming up in the next hour well we just spoke to charles uh, royden who is deputy mayor of bedford borough council what do you think of this development that got the thumbs up last night we'll be talking about that and also asking what have you got stuck in Here's the news with Serena. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
Good morning, the headlines. Hertfordshire woman says her life will change for the worse when her disability allowance is taken away. Hundreds fined because of new bus lane in Bedfordshire. A woman misses her Luton flight after being stuck in a lift. BBC Three Counties Radio. A Hertfordshire woman says she'll lose her independence when her disability allowance is taken away from her next week. Denise Reeves says she relies on the money as it pays for her car. Well, next week, people who get DLA will be reassessed for a new benefit called Personal Independence Payment. Denise says being able to go out helps her a great deal because some days are worse than others. Oh, I can fall over quite a few times in the day. Yes, it's rather unsettling. It occurs to me that we're going back to Dickensian times where it's a have and have nots. Turning to Bedfordshire now and nearly 300 people there have been fined for driving through a bus lane in the past two weeks. Enforcement cameras have been in place on the Bedford Road running out of the Wixom's estate near Wilstead. Charles Royden is in charge of transport at Bedford Borough Council. He says it was part of the planning permission when the estate was built. We've had a lot of problems with buses which have been going through. It's quite a, it's quite a narrow point, a pinch point. Mm. And cars have been racing through. We've had near misses with buses in order to give people some kind of uh, comfort in their own homes. He couldn't have masses of cars just driving through this particular place. So it was allowed to be a bus access and people on their bicycles and, and, and walking, but not as a rat run for cars. And we'll be hearing more on this story as reporter Justin Dealey will be there telling us more. Local people wanting to prevent land being built on behind their Luton homes say they'll fight on. That's despite the council pressing ahead with plans to develop the area. Protesters around Butley Road suffered their latest setback at a meeting last night. One of the residents, Martin Stiff, says anyone living there would want to preserve that open space. Absolutely. This is a, a very a rare piece of land within a very built-up community. The council's policies have already identified that the, the top hill area of Luton um, personal area is deficient in open space and this is a unique piece of land that once it's gone will never get replaced. The training of nurses will be changed following the scandal at Stafford Hospital where neglect contributed to the deaths of hundreds of patients. In future, training will include spending a year working as healthcare assistant on hospital wards. It's part of the government's response to report into the problems at the Mid-Staffordshire Trust. Now, a woman has told Three Counties Radio she wants answers. It's after missing her flight from Luton Airport because she got stuck in a lift at the Ibis Hotel. Lynn Larson and her husband were due to go to Turkey for 11 days. We live in in North Wales so we travelled down to stay in this airport so we could get our flight because the flight was leaving at 6 in the morning but we were stuck in the lift from about quarter past 4 till about quarter to 6 Well, Ibis Hotel has got in touch with us to say they apologise for the inconvenience and they're now looking into the matter and will be in contact with the guests to see how they can help. Sport then and England managed to draw the final test and the series against New Zealand. They batted all day and closed on 315 for nine. Luton's Monty Panesar helped to save them. Weather, and it's going to be quite bitter out, dry though. Temperatures down to a little bit less than yesterday, three degrees Celsius. That's 37 in Fahrenheit. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counts. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Another feisty show, feisty yesterday, very feisty today. Lots that you'll want to have your say on, including... Big changes are on the way if you claim disability living allowance. Minister for Disabled People, Esther McVeigh, will be joining me on the show next to explain what they are and how you'll be affected. 
What could be the country's shortest bus lane has been put in place on the Wixom's estate in Bedfordshire. In my opinion, it's well signposted. But yet hundreds of drivers have been fined. How much sympathy have you got for them? Go and have a look at the Facebook page and, and, and let us know what you think. And ever been stuck in a lift? We'll hear why one Luton woman's fuming that a faulty lift has cost her a flight to Turkey. What have you been stuck in? 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Big changes are on the way if you claim disability living allowance. Reforms that will see the biggest shake-up of the welfare system for a generation start next week. More than three million people who get DLA will be reassessed for a new benefit called Personal Independence Payment, PIP. But there's concern that the reforms will see hundreds of thousands of disabled people becoming worse off. Joining me now is Minister for Disabled People, Esther McVeigh. Morning, Esther. Morning, Ian. Esther, first of all, can you explain why the disability benefit reforms are necessary? Um, I can indeed. I mean, this is something that's widely acknowledged now that there needed to be a change from uh, disability living allowance. One, because it really looked at physical disabilities and really didn't take into account all of, you know, disabilities, how we view it in the 21st century. That's learning, cognitive, sensory, and we need to look at all of those. And equally under DLA, uh, 50% of people had no corroborating medical evidence and 71% who went on the benefit went on it. Uh, for life and it had grown the benefit had grown 40% nearly in 10 years and so what we had to have is a uh, objective assessment a fair obse- uh, um, assessment and, and a routine assessment and that is what we're doing How much is this going to save the government? Well, actually, it doesn't. Uh, what is happening there is that we're spending £13 billion in, in 2009 and we'll actually be spending uh, slightly more in 2015-16. What we have said, though, the rate with which it was increasing, as I said, nearly 40% in 10 years, we've got to measure that growth. It can't keep increasing as a size of benefit uh, that much consistently. But what we spend year in, year out remains the same. In fact, it'll be slightly more by 20. 15, 16, but what we've got to do is target those £13 billion on the people who need it the most. DWP figures show that mistakes in administering disability benefits cost the government around £160 million a year. Couldn't be more done to sort that out? Well, we're looking at all of that in its entirety. That is what we're we're, we're getting right. We're looking uh, at the assessment. We've changed that. We've undergone the biggest consultation ever, two years, to get this assessment right. And and yes, we've got to get things right our end. We've got to get the assessment right. But most of all, we've got to give uh, this money to the people who who need it the the most. And equally, this is a benefit you get whether you're in work or or not in work because it's not means-tested, it's not taxed. It really is the money given to disabled people who incur extra costs in everyday living, you know, getting around, getting washed, uh, going out, getting bathed, all of those uh, extra costs that are incurred just through living. It's not about work. A final question. Can you reassure listeners that disabled people who genuinely can't work will be protected? Okay, well, this is not uh, about work. This benefit is just to help you in everyday activities. So, yes, we will be supporting you. The money will be the same. And the other thing I want to say is the UK is a world leader at supporting disabled people. We spend £50 billion a year on benefits and support, and we'll continue to do so. That's a fifth higher than Europe, double America, six times more than Japan. We are world leaders. We're proud of that record, and we'll continue to, uh, to be world leaders. 
leaders. Esther, thank you very much uh, for joining me. That's uh, Minister for Disabled People, Esther McVeigh. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, listening to that is Chris Checkley, who's on the board of directors at the Centre for Integrated Living in Milton Keynes. Morning, Chris. Good morning. Chris, what did you think there, listening to the disability minister? Well, I can understand um, why maybe that, you know, there's a lot of money going out, but um, I think, I don't think there's been enough information for people. Uh, there's so much fear going on. There's a lot of people, you know, who drive mobility cars, who, if they lose their, their benefit, their DLA, will lose their car. And this may be their only means of um, getting themselves about. And, and it's finding out exactly who, um, and where is the line, where does it stop, who, who now will be accessible for a DLA. Well, Chris, you know, do you accept that the new system will save money and it will mean that people who are less mobile will be entitled to higher payments? I don't think that will happen. I don't think they'll give you higher payments. I, I think that they'll cut back. Um, on, on the, it's the grey area. It's the people... Um, there are some people who are very severely disabled and you couldn't say they're not. But there are others that may be, um, I think if your previous caller was mm. saying she could be all right one day and maybe the next day couldn't even get herself out of bed, you know, because... Um, the disability is such. Mm. You could have a good day, you could go for your assessment, and um, you, you could seem perfectly okay, but then the next day you may not be. It's all according to your disability, I think. What are people saying to you about the changes? Well, I, I'm finding it's fear mostly. People are really, really worried. I mean, you, you, you go on the Spanish um, message board, other places where dis, you know, disabled, disabled people get um, to chat, you'll find there is fear. Their fear of losing their independence. They don't know quite, you know, how this assessment is going to affect them. Do you think the government has handled this well? No, I don't. I think, because as I say, if, if everything was really up front and you knew exactly who was going to get the, the benefits and who weren't and why they weren't going to get the benefits, I think that then, you know, there'd be a few more people who'd be able to rest in their beds at night, you know. It, it, there's a lot going on in the disability world at the moment, which is causing a lot of problems. I mean, I think sometimes we feel as though we fought hard to get ourselves our independence, and now all of a sudden I feel as though we're going downhill. It's taken years to get there. Um, and I think now, we're, because um, we're quite a minority, um, we're the easiest targets, that's how I feel. Chris, I appreciate your time this morning. Thank you. That's Chris Checkley, board of, uh, who's on the board of directors at the Centre for Integrated Living in Milton Keynes. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. This is Bus Lane. If you go facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Go and have a look at this bus lane, OK? It's on the Wixom's estate um, in, in Bedford. Uh, and uh, yeah. what, do you, what do you think of it? That 300 people have been fined in the last couple of weeks for driving through it. I think it's, it's pretty obvious that it's a bus lane. Ian's from Luton. Ian, have you been caught out by this bus lane? Yes, I have, yeah. How? I don't know. I mean, no excuses. Um, it's pretty. It's marked pretty obviously, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it is. No excuses. What I'm, the point I'm making is that um, I drove through there on the 13th. I met someone at the garden centre there to go to a funeral in March because they didn't know the way. Right. I came off the roundabout and went down the wrong, uh, the wrong turning. Yeah. Um, so no excuses. Yes, I was on the actual bus lane. The only thing I'm pointing out is, and I paid the fine straight away. I got it on the following Saturday, and I paid it over the phone straight away. Yep. 
The only thing I'm saying is, if they took a uh, if they took a camera um, photo of it, yeah. the point where they find me or said that I was on a, the um, red bus lane, which is quite right, is I actually turned round there because I realised that we shouldn't be going down there. Right. So hang on, you're saying you turned around before you got onto the red no, bit of the road? No, I was actually on the red, right. um, the red bus lane. Okay. And I don't know. If to be honest, I mean, I've never been down that way before, so I don't know how long that red bus lane is. That's about 30 feet. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's not long. <laughs> well, all I can say is that by the time you're on it, yeah. you know, you might not read it. Now, you're quite right, there's a sign, yeah. uh, I'm just looking at the photo that I had now, actually, just as you go on it, um, which is on the right-hand side, which obviously I didn't notice. Yeah. But I think there must be one further down on the left-hand side, because I think that's the point where I turned around and came back. Uh. I see. It's all, it's all very confusing. Ian, listen, thank you for that. I'm, I'm only cutting that short because Justin Dealey, our uh, bus lane correspondent, is there. Justin, uh, earlier on in the mm. show, we asked you to, to do the diversion that this bus lane causes. That I think the, the Daily Mail says it's something like two miles and it can take ages. Mm. Uh, how long is that diversion? How long did it take you? Well, you, you'll hear it in full after 8.30 this okay. morning. It's, it's taken me a minute and a half. I went with Letitia, yep. who's a local resident. It took me a minute and a half. It's basically the difference, Ian, uh, for anybody who knows Bedford, it's the difference between one roundabout to the next roundabout. That's the diversion route. The Daily Mail, of course, saying this morning, it's two miles. A lot of people are very unhappy about it. In yep. reality, you're talking here about 90 seconds. Yeah. Hang on a second, Justin. Do you, you know what you're saying, don't you? I do. You're saying that the Daily Mail may have exaggerated a story to make it sound a bit worse and get Middle England angry. Oh, yes. Is that what pe- you're pe- saying? Pe- people are furious about it. I mean, actually, I've just been into uh, the local shop here at Wixom's in Bedford, and most people are saying to me, you know what, the signs here have been here since day one. Yep. It's only recently that the cameras have been activated. So, so everybody knows that the buses have used this route, and nobody can really understand why so many people mm. are going through it and getting fined. It's interesting that, that they put the cameras up a, a, a while after you know the signs were up there before it's mm. almost like they're easing you in gently which seems a very generous thing for a council to do it's, it's a very very similar situation to Hemel Hempstead yep. of course a lot of people are very unhappy about that that for years was always a bus lane it always was a bus lane suddenly they switch the cameras on people have been using that route for years and then suddenly they get fines and they don't really understand it so I can see similarities again between the two but this has got to be probably the shortest bus lane I've ever seen in my life a good 30 two foot and that is your lot on this bus lane. Justin, thank you very much indeed. We'll speak to you later on. I wonder what he was doing in that local shop. 08459 455 555 814 Let's get the travel news now. Here's Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Northbound on the M1, still looking slow between 7 at the A414 and 8 at Hemel Hempstead, not helped by the earlier accident. And Londonbound as well, more delays between Junction 12 at Flittick and 9 at Redbourne. Going to take you nearly an hour to get through that stretch, I'm afraid. And also delays uh, on the M25 anti-clockwise, where you'd expect between 26 at Waltham Abbey and 25 at the A10 for Enfield. Again, between 18 at Trolleywood and also so between 19 at Watford and 16 at the M40. Now, southbound on the A1, also looking slow to the St Neots Junction and the Black Cat Roundabout and the Barnet Bypass again slowed in Stirling Corner and Mill Hill Circus and some delays on the A10 as well heading south through Enfield particularly around Baltimore Lane everything else really not causing too much of a problem trains are looking good on the departure boards Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio Sophie, thanks very much indeed 
8.16, it's Tuesday the 26th of March. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A Hertfordshire woman says she'll lose her independence when her disability allowance is taken away from her next week. New bus lanes cause confusion... A new bus lane, sorry, causes confusion for 300 drivers in Bedfordshire who've been left with fines. In cricket, England have drawn in the final test thanks to Luton's Monty Panassar in the closing stages. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks. Bitter wind. Oh, it's bitter out this morning, but staying dry. Colder than yesterday, with temperatures dropping to three degrees. Coming up, a proposal to radically redevelop the riverside in Bedford has been narrowly approved at a council meeting. We'll get the views of the local uh, residents and developers before 8.30. I know a lot of you wanted to have your say yesterday. You can have your say again this morning. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday from three, Roberto Peroni with the best local news stories. There's a sporting story emerging. Paul Buckle has left Luton Town Football Club by mutual consent. The owners of the Centre MK have withdrawn a part of an application regarding the Primark development. Local talking points. The Hertfordshire Police and Crime Commissioner, Mr David Lloyd, has a plan to get sponsorship for police cars. The best local travel. There's been another day of disruption on the Thameslink line today. We were like evacuating something train and we had to go back to Ratchet and now we're waiting for the bus. Roberto Peroni, every weekday from three on BBC Three Counties Radio. Boom! Chakatan. Sorry. <laughs> isn't, that what, isn't that what you say? Hang on a second, just give me that again. Uh, so the government... Oh no, hang on a second. <laughs> <laughs> who's, who's that? It's, that wasn't me. Let's try, try it again. Boom! Chakatan. No? Hello? Anybody there? They've all gone. They've all gone. <laughs> They've all Everyone's off. left. I had a marvellous evening last night. I was grumpy. I was grumpy. I'd had a long day with the kids. And I then had to... I remembered I had to um, uh, book my speed awareness course. I've been a naughty boy. Haven't you? But to cheer myself up while booking my speed awareness course... I listened to you. Ah. I listened to your consumer hour. I'm a favourite of the criminals. <laughs> <laughs> I, I bet you are. Prisons all over beds, hearts and bucks have me piped in. <laughs> it's part of, the, part of the punishment. I've never been piped in prison. I wonder what that's... <laughs> I wonder what that's like. I wonder if uh, we could make that. Anyway, it was, you got me. You, you calmed me down a lot. Really, you did actually, and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, I miss, is, when's Tim back? I missed him. He's not very well. Oh dear, he's, got problems he's with close to death. Oh, d- oh dear, oh dear. Hopefully he'll cling on. <laughs> uh, I don't know. He might be back tomorrow. It depends when he's better. Really, oh, I liked him. You liked him? Well, I that's think... not very. Poor Sophie. She stepped into oh. the breach at the last minute yesterday. I like Sophie as a human being. I just think that for your show, she's a bit common. Oh. <laughs> and I know, no, and I don't, I no, don't take that the wrong way, anybody, please. But um, I just think she's a little bit common. And I think that Tim brings a certain class to the show that, right. that is missing. Oh. That is missing at the moment. So apologies oh to Sophie, apologies to you. I was going to say, thanks a lot. I, I now have to go upstairs and see poor Sophie. Well, what you're doing... What I'm am tra- I going to say to her now after well, she say, what, am I too common? That's what she'll say. What am I supposed to say to cheer her up? How do I get her out of that one? Well, how does she talk again? Well, she can't talk like that, don't she, Sophie? Like what? What? 
what, what I'm trying to say is, I'm just, just, uh, I just think maybe you could do your show nine to eleven because I, I can't really listen. I'm, I'm busy, <laughs> facebooking, uh, and then the last hour. Why don't you operate the phones and let Tim do the show? <laughs> Present the show. Well, I could do. Could, could be an idea. Could, could be an idea. Yeah. Would that mean I'd lose an hour's money? Yeah, yeah, technically... Not so keen on that. OK. What's on your I show? I'll do it. What's on I'll your... do it all. <laughs> OK. Uh, coming up on the big phone in this yes. morning at nine, is it true that today's nurses lack compassion? This story today, the Health Secretary, Jeremy Hunt, is expected to say that the public needs more confidence in our nurses. He'll be outlining proposals to tighten procedures across the NHS in response to the abuse scandal at Stafford Hospital, where hundreds of patients died earlier than expected as a result of neglect. There seem to be an awful lot of people saying today that nurses lack compassion. Well, is it true? They're talking about um, nurses having to spend a year washing patients and feeding patients in order to try and instil this sense of compassion in them. Good. Is that necessary? Yes, I think it is. Really? It's a basic. It's a basic. And I'm not knocking nurses. A lot of nurses are fantastic and wonderful and do horrible things that we wouldn't want to. A lot of them are rubbish. I've, I've seen it. I've seen it with my, when my wife was in... When my wife had our first baby, first baby, terrified, didn't know what to do. Three o'clock in the morning, the baby's crying. She pushed the emergency bell. The nurse came uh, 15 minutes later and told her off. Said, don't push that bell. Wait for one of us to walk past. I've seen it with my mum as well. I've, I've, seen, I've also seen brilliant nurses as well. I'm not dissing all of them. But yes, I think it's a basic thing. Cleaning and feeding, it's... Uh, it's a basic that I think a lot of people have forgotten. Well, from nine, I want your views. Is it true that today's nurses lack compassion? If you are a nurse, perhaps you were a nurse, perhaps you are in a relationship with a nurse, or you've been in hospital and you have been cared for by a nurse, I'd like to hear from you. Is it true that today's nurses lack compassion? 08459 455 555. From nine o'clock this morning, I'd like your views. Could you do another phone-in about immigration? Another one? Yeah, well, it- I love it. I love it, because people get so angry. You, you did one on Friday, I think you did one, was it yesterday as well? Mm-hmm. I love it, fantastic radio. You like that? Yeah, I did, I did like it, I thought it was wonderful. People get very passionate about it. Uh, that, that lovely lady, listen, I'm, I'm not being racial, but... Bless her, she, she phoned back and she said, can you pass on a message? I got a message after the show, yep. and it just said, that I think it was Julie, uh, Julie phoned back, she said she hopes you don't think she's racist, she just got a bit het up. It was cracking radio. It was a good show yesterday. Thanks very much. I look forward to listening to it later. Isn't it always? Oh, rude. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. If you want to get in touch with JVS, you can give them a call now. We'll filter off the best ones, let's be honest. But you can. 08459 455 555. Or you can send him an email. jvsshow at bbc.co.uk. Just put your name, your phone number, and a, a couple of lines about what you want to say. And the team will get back in touch with you. Now, a, we've been discussing this, well, for the last couple of months. And we, we mentioned it yesterday. And lots of you were very keen to have your say on it. So you might want to have your say on this. A proposal to radically redevelop the riverside in Bedford has been narrowly approved at a council meeting. The Riverside North plans, including a multi-screen cinema, retail and residential developments, were passed by five votes to four against last night. Well, Colin McQuestion, his director of uh, Coplan Estates, the developer behind the idea. We spoke to you yesterday, Colin. You must be uh, pleased that this has got the thumbs up. Morning again. Morning. Yeah. Hey, how are you? Um, yeah, we're, we're, 
we're obviously delighted. Um, there's been a lot of uh, hard work and effort gone into it over the last 18 months, so we're we're very pleased to have got the consent. And you know, I hope it is a it's a good news story for for Bedford Centre this morning. Although probably some some of you listeners may not necessarily agree. Well, well, we spoke to Charles Royden, Deputy Mayor, Portfolio Holder for Environment and Transport at Bedford Borough Council, and he was over the moon with the idea. He says this is a, a, a fantastic opportunity when when towns are, are struggling to be given a fifty million pound uh, investment. Are you surprised, Colin, by the amount of, of negativity and people against this? Well, I, I think if you look at the concept of what we're trying to achieve, I mean, you know, we read the newspapers, town centres are suffering. We're looking at a scheme right in the middle of Bedford that's going to drive fall and economic benefits. And to some degrees, I, I, I was slightly surprised. I'm sure towns all over the UK would love an opportunity like this. But um, we live in a democracy, and um, I, I certainly respect all the views that were aired last night and uh, we are certainly going away with a, a few thoughts in, in light of some of the comments that were made and uh, you know we can't please everybody but also we're not here to have a, a, a big fight with the town so um, we will explore what common ground uh, exists. We talked about this yesterday, we did have a lot of people phoning in and uh, a couple of yeah. points that were raised were, were the, the, the cinema, there is already a cinema yeah. in Bedford uh, yeah. and lots of people saying yeah. that that wasn't being used and, and, and that, that whole area of town could become yeah. kind of a, a, a white elephant. What do you think about that? Well, I hope that um, redevelopment of this site as a catalyst and maybe encourage other owners to, to also embrace redevelopment and, um, and, and improve their site. I think Bedford doesn't have a proper cinema offer. I don't think that is, the, that is offered by the out-of-town scheme. And, and I think we've got the, the river restaurant cinema within the town is good. If this acts as a catalyst for the um, the owners of the out-of-town park that sits on a beautiful site by the river to in turn look at potentially redeveloping their site, I think that, that's exactly what we want to achieve. Colin, what happens next? How, how does this proceed? Um, well, uh, planning is an important milestone and it sends a, a very good message out to the, the market that we deal in, that Bedford's open um, to trade. So, um, we've got a couple of other agreements. We do need to fund it, and I think we all read the paper that it's still in a challenging funding environment. But A um, challenging funding environment? That means you ain't got yeah. the money. Um, well, I, I think that the money is there, uh, and I think by virtue of having a planning consent and uh, a number of prelets in place, that does um, get you a long way down the line to bringing in a funding partner. We've been speaking to various funding partners up till now. We know they're interested, so I think we need to secure the necessary funding, and, and we hope to start on site early 2014. OK, Colin, listen, I appreciate your time again. No doubt we'll speak uh, about this as the project proceeds. Colin McQuestion, Director of Co-Plan Estates, the developers behind uh, the Riverside North Plans. Across beds, hearts and bugs, this is BBC Three Counties Radio. Right. A cracking story this morning about a couple that got stuck in a lift at the hotel, a hotel near Luton Airport, and they missed their flight. They were stuck in there, I think, for about an hour and a half. They missed their flight to Turkey. I'm asking you this morning, what have you been stuck in? Doesn't need to... It's been divided between lifts and bathrooms. That seems to be the main thing. 08459 455 555. Give me a call got 30 minutes of the show left what have you been stuck in if you missed the call at uh, about uh, 20 past six this morning a gentleman 
got stuck in his bathroom in just his pants, and in trying to escape, cut himself, got covered in blood, jumped out the window, ran around the, the back, stole someone's garden furniture and climbed in, all in his pants on a summer's eve. Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. Uh, a couple of texts here. Jill says, uh, I was stuck in a lift aged 13. I've not been in one since. That was 34 years ago. How do you go 34 years without travelling in a lift? So you've not been in a lift since 1979. How is that possible in 21st century Britain? And Lynn says, my... What? You want me to read this out? My dog locked herself in the loo. It was one of those sideways switch locks. She jumped up and knocked it. Hubby's a joiner, luckily. I left the dog in there, taught it a lesson. What have you been stuck in? 08459 455 555. You can text 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or you can go to the Facebook page. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. The best way to get in touch. Look, all of the phone lines are free. So if you give us a call now, you're pretty much certain to get on the air. 08459 455 555. Here's the travel news now with Sophie. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. London bound on the M1. We're still looking at delays of around an hour between at Junction 13 at Bedford all the way through now to 9 at Redbourne. Speed down to around 20 miles an hour. And anti-clockwise on the M25, 20-minute delays between 18 at Chorleywood and 16 at the M40. Also slow as well between Junction 26 at Waltham Abbey and 25 at the A10 for Enfield. Everything else not looking too bad. A little bit slow on the A1, particularly at the Barnet Bypass between Stirling Corner and Mill Hill Circus. And the A10 through Chesant heading south also slow with delays of nearly half an hour between Townford and Winston Churchill Way. Everything else not too bad at all. Trains still moving nicely. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Sophie. Right, let's get the news and sport now with Serena. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. A Hertfordshire woman says she'll lose her independence when her disability allowance is taken away from her next week. Meanwhile, a new bus lane in Wilstead, which has been put in place to help stop drivers making a shortcut through the village, has caught out almost 300 drivers who've been pined in the past two weeks. Plans for a new £50 million leisure complex in Bedford Town Centre have been passed, meaning that shops, a hotel and a cinema will be built on the site. And prospective nurses will have to now undergo more practical training in future, it's in response to the scandal at Stafford Hospital. And stay listening to hear more on this story as the JVS show will be asking, is it true that today's nurses lack compassion? So that's the news. Now let's turn to all the morning sport. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Starting with cricket and England managed to draw on the last day of the final test against New Zealand. They closed on 315 for nine, which ensures the series finished level after three drawn games. Luton's Monty Panesar helped to save England along with Stuart Broad. This is how it all ended through the eyes of Kevin Hamels. Bowls for the final ball in. Defensively played by Matt Pryor. He raises his arms, the bat in the air. Monty will go down to pat him on the back. Somehow, somehow, England have saved it. 
Let's turn to football now then, and Luton Town's conference match at home to Ebbsfleet tonight's been postponed. Officials looked at the Kenilworth Road pitch yesterday and decided it wouldn't be playable because of the snow and ice conditions. Watford's on-low midfielder Nathaniel Chalabar played in the England under-21 squad last night. They beat Austria 4-0 in a friendly in Brighton. Elsewhere, and Stevenage caretaker manager Mark Roberts has praised the club's players for their attitude since the sacking of manager Gary Smith. Though Borough lost to Tranmere on Sunday, Roberts says he's impressed. The way that they've responded to the, the situation that we've all had to deal with has been uh, nothing short of magnificent and uh, it'll be a big learning curve for them and uh, hopefully they take those lessons in a positive, uh, positive fashion and uh, we move forwards and finish the season as strong as possible. Finally, and at the Miami Masters tennis, Andy Murray fought back from five down in the first set to overcome Grigor Dimitrov, 7-6, 6-3. Murray will now play Andrea Seppi in the last 16. BBC Three Counties Radio will bring more from me at nine. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Right. Before this situation gets out of hand, which I believe it may have got out of hand already, can I just extend my sincerest apologies to Sophie Solaria? for implying that she might sound a little bit common. It was, of course, a joke. Jonathan Vernon-Smith was egging me on before we went on air. He said, oh, oh, this will be good. I've got a good thing for you to say. Why don't you say this? And he, he virtually forced me at gunpoint to say that she was common. Of course, Sophie's not common at all. She's one of the best reporters we've got here at BBC Three Counties Radio. And for goodness sakes, if anyone could suggest otherwise, I will take them outside and give them a damn good thrashing. Sophie? I apologise live on air. Let's not take this to Ofcom and let's, let's not take this to, to, to Mick or any of the bosses. We don't, we don't need to do that, for goodness sakes. A little bit of, little bit of banter. <clears throat> now, coming up in the next 30 minutes, what could be the country's shortest bus lane has been put in place on the Wixom's estate in Bedfordshire. In my opinion, very well signposted. But hundreds of drivers have been fined, uh, have been fined in the last couple of weeks. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Well, Justin Dealey is uh, finding out whether it's causing that much of a problem. He'll be back on the show in about 15 minutes. But one of the things that's really got you talking this morning is this story uh, about uh, Lynn Larson, who got stuck in a lift in a hotel next to Luton Airport. We'll check into the hotel, save us a bit of time, we can have a nice sleep, we'll get up early, plenty of time, we'll... lovely. Got stuck in the lift. Missed her flight to Istanbul. Well, Justin Dealey went to meet her and this is what she had to say. Well, we missed it because we were stuck in the lift in the Ibis Hotel at Luperton Airport for an hour and a half. Must have been quite scary in there for an hour and a half. Yeah, it was, yeah. I felt quite panicky, you know. And where have you travelled from to be here today? We, we live in North Wales, so we travelled down yesterday to stay in this airport so we could get our flight because the flight was leaving at six in the morning. But we were stuck in the lift from about quarter past four till... About quarter to six. So now you've missed your flights, what's going to happen next? Well, we've missed our holiday and we've also booked an internal flight in Turkey. Well, a few internal flights, so we've missed all of them and hotels we've booked. So I'm just hoping the insurance will cover it. But obviously we were looking forward to having a holiday as well. I mean, it's quite an unusual situation. Just explain how you feel right now. You must feel angry. I do, yes, I feel disappointed and I feel, yeah, I feel angry, but it's a bit, somehow it's somehow surreal at the moment. It's just happened, you can't quite take it in. You know, I can't believe this has happened to me. And when you spoke to EasyJet, what did they say about it? 
Well, the woman said, I've heard all excuses why people have missed their planes, but I've never heard that one before. But it's absolutely genuine. Yes, yes. And there were another couple in the lift with us, and I don't know if they managed to get their flight. They were going to Marrakesh. Well, Lynn's on the phone to us now. Good morning, Lynn. Good morning, Ian. Have you been stuck in anything this morning? Um, no, I haven't. Okay, no, well, I'm in my mother's house in Cardiff. That's okay. That's something. Did you did you make it to Turkey in the end? No, no, because it would have cost far too much to find a last minute flight. It's, and it's holiday time nearly anyway. Well, now that you've you, you, this all happened yesterday, and you've had time to take in what happened. How do you feel, Lynn? Well, I feel disappointed that we've missed our holiday. And I also feel that angry that Ibis Hotel haven't dealt with the matter very well. We've got a statement from the Ibis. They say, we apologise for the inconvenience caused. We're looking into the matter and we'll be in contact with the guest to see how we can help. Have they been in contact with you yet? No, not at all, no. We were told yesterday that the manager wasn't available until tomorrow. Wednesday, but having time to think about it, I think it probably would have been possible to contact an area manager or district manager mm. who would have had the authority to sort something out yesterday, possibly find another flight for us and offer to pay for it. Or I, do you know what? I wouldn't have left that hotel until it had been sorted out. I, w- I would have staged a protest. It, it, what, what do you want the outcome of this to be, Lynn? What are you after? Well, I'm hoping for compensation for the, the price of everything we've paid for so far. And I think we also should be compensated for the trauma of being in the lift. And also the huge disappointment of missing out on our holiday. How long were you planning to go away for? About 11, 11 days. So you've got 11 days in hand now. What are you going to do with those 11 days, Lynn? Um, I'm not sure we've... Well, we're just staying in my mother's house at the moment and we haven't really planned further. Mm. But, you know, we've spent money already on a holiday, so I don't think we'll be spending on another holiday. Can you get your mum to look after you and pretend that that she's a waiter or something and and use mum's house as a hotel? Would that... (laughs) Would that work? Well, my mother's 86 and she has a stroke a few years oh, ago, dear, so, so I maybe don't not. think she'd be up to the job, mm, okay, no. OK, well, Lynn, listen, thank you very much for coming on, and uh, we, we will follow this story with interest to see if the hotel do offer any compensation. Well, on the back of Lynn's tragic story, we are asking this morning, what have you been stuck in? 08459 455 555. Glenn's in Hockcliffe. Morning, Glenn. Good morning, Ian. Glenn, what have you... I don't want to make light at all of uh, Lynn's uh, terrible story, but what have you been stuck in? I got stuck in a water butt. In a what? In a water butt. You know the water butts that collect the rainwater off the uh, oh, house? Those big, those big barrels? Yeah, yeah. I had one, I had a pair of them, and one was leaking. Yeah. And it, and it was leaking at the tap. And the only way to get inside, to, to well, the only way to tighten the nut up was to actually get inside. Yes. So I got my lad to sit on it to make it oval. I crawled in, yep. grabbed the, the nut. He, he got off then and trapped me in it, turned the tap, and then ran off and told the wife that I was stuck. But, of course, you see, there was no oxygen then because the tap was turned off. <laughs> so I'm, la- I'm I- laughing. You, you, you're, you're, you could possibly die here. I could have done, yeah. yeah. Um, 
and, and the panic went in, and, and I, I actually stood up then with this water butt on my head, uh, over my top of my chest, and the only way I could get it off was to hit the water butt against the garage. Uh, but in as it came off, it you know cut my arms, cut my back, oh, cut God. my chest. So hang on, did your did your son do this as a prank? He thought it was funny that I got I was stuck because I said, "Come and sit back on it because I can't get out now," and I couldn't. My arms wouldn't touch the bottom. I I got no way of actually pushing myself out. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it was quite scary for a bit, but there was a funny side to it. Did 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 your son take a photograph of this? No, no, <sighs> no. It was, Wasted I know what you're saying. It was a long, long time ago. There was okay. no, never had digital cameras then. But it, no. it, uh, I'm sure if I, if he had had a digital camera or a digital device, he would have taken pictures. You, you'd be on YouTube now, Glenn. You'd, you'd be a, 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 a YouTube sensation. Have you? Has this given yeah. you a fear of water butts? No, no, not at all. Not okay, at all. Good, Glenn. Listen, thank you very much indeed. What a what a, a prank to play on your dad. Yeah, I'm going to almost kill dad. And again, I've seen that in a, in, a, in a cartoon. A fella stuck in a barrel, bashing against the wall to try and knock it off. That's, that's in a Roadrunner cartoon, isn't it? 08459 455 555. What have you been stuck in? Uh, Jan's in Luton. Morning, Jan. Hello. Jan, what have, what, I, I hope your story doesn't involve a near-death experience. Well, no, but it does involve a three-year-old son. Okay. And um, I was in the toilet. And it was in the morning, and, you know, I was getting ready to go to work. And so he decides to lock the, the toilet door, and um, the lock was on the outside. Yeah. And he thought it was a hilarious joke, and he was laughing away. And I was getting, you know, trying to be very, very cross with him. Now, you know, open the door, you know. <laughs> but no, 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 he wouldn't. And so I, had, and I couldn't get out of the window. And um, so I shouted, and, and the landlady upstairs, she heard me. So finally she let me out. My son is now 50, and he still finds it hilariously funny. <laughs> so that's, was, it, that's was, there, was there mounting terror in you, Jam? Did you, did you kind of think, this is, this is not a dignified way for it to, to, to all end? Oh, I know. <laughs> I thought, how long am I going to be here? You know, will anyone hear me? You know. Oh, dear. So, yeah. But um, you, you managed to escape, which is I, exciting. Well, yes. Um, I believe you've also got a view on the, uh, the uh, Butley yes, Road I development have. we've been talking because about. Nobody's mentioned the decibel count. And I actually lived in Green Court, a multi-storey block. Let me so, just explain, for those who maybe aren't up to speed with this story, this is the, the, the patch of green land yes. that, that people applied for it to be yes. um, a, a village green. That was turned down. Yeah. And uh, they're, they're now going to be building houses on there. Yes, yes. that's right. And um, the thing is that Green Court is quite close to the motorway. And that stretch of green land is even nearer. And if they build houses on it, then, um, you know, the decibel count is going to be even higher for them. And, uh, you know, I think that Martin uh, Stiff should bring this up as a point. You know, have the builders considered, you know, the decibel count? Okay. Well, this is, Jan, listen, thank you for raising that point. This is something that we will be following um, uh, as it progresses, and I'm sure we will mention that at some point. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. Uh, if you want to uh, give us a call, you can do. We're asking, um, uh, oh, and there's an interview with uh, Martin Stiff after the travel is there. We will have Martin Stiff on. We will put that very question to him, Jan. Thank you very much uh, indeed. Uh, what have you been stuck in? 08459 455 555. It turns out most of you uh, have been stuck in toilets. What on earth are you lot up to, for goodness sakes? 
Hey, look, go to the Facebook page and look at this picture of this, uh, uh, this bus lane that's in uh, uh, the Wixom's estate, or it's the entrance to the Wixom's estate. The Daily Mail have pounced on this story. They may have used a little bit of uh, Fleet Street magic to make it sound more exciting than it is. They're saying the detour is miles and will take you ages to get through this detour. Well, Justin Daly, we'll be speaking to you later on. He claims it it, it took 90 seconds for him to do that. We've got a picture of the bus lane after 300 people have been caught and fined in the last couple of years. We're asking if you've got any sympathy for them. Well, Adam Croft on Facebook says, it clearly says it's a bus lane and that there are cameras. It's not up to drivers to decide where they can and can't drive or to say what's stupid. The only stupidity is from the drivers who flout obvious signs and warnings, then whinge when they get a fine. Um, Chris Warren says, it's a bus lane, read your highway code. Amy says, making everything but buses drive an extra two miles to get into an entrance to the estate. Did I read that right? We're supposed to be cutting CO2 emissions, are we not? Mark says, how is this news? The bus lane has been there for over two years. The only addition is the camera, as people refuse to take notice of the signs. Uh, Typical Bedford on Sunday story, making something out of nothing. This was in the uh, Bedford on Sunday. And Alistair says, storm in a teacup. I've lived in Wixon for a year. It's been a bus lane for all that time. And even when viewing properties there 18 months ago, I knew it was a bus lane. The only thing which has changed is the cameras, which now means police don't have to wait down there to stop people using it. It's not a two-mile detour. And having followed people out of the village, them using the bus lane and myself, the designated rose, it's certainly no quicker using the bus lane. Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. Right. Travel news now. Here's Sophie Tyler. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Northbound on the M1, looking slow at the moment between 9 at Redbourne and 10 at Luton Airport. And Londonbound also uh, still have delays of around 35 minutes between 12 at Flittick and 9 at Redbourne. Speed down to around 20 miles an hour. Anti-clockwise on the motor on the uh, M25, still looking fairly slow between 18 at Chorleywood and 16 at the M40. And again between 26 at Waltham Abbey and 25 at the A10 for Enfield. Everything else not too bad, a little bit slow on the A10, still heading through Enfield and Chesant and also the A1 at the Great North Road, also fairly slow through Tempsford. Nothing that's going to hold you up out on the roads for too long, though, this morning. And the trains are looking good on the departure boards as well. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Sophie, thank you very much. Right, 8.45, Tuesday, the 26th of March. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A Hertfordshire woman says her life will change for the worse when she loses her disability allowance. A new bus lane in Wilstead has uh, caught out almost 300 drivers who've been fined in the past two weeks. And in cricket, Luton's Monty Panesar played an integral part in England's draw against New Zealand yesterday. Coming up, what could be the country's shortest bus lane has been put in place on the Wixom's estate in Bedfordshire. Before nine, we'll catch up with reporter Justin Dealey to find out just how much of a problem it's causing. But before that, let's get the latest weather. Here's Sarah Thornton. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thanks very much. Another cold day out there. I'm reliably informed by uh, someone I know out in Buckinghamshire saying it doesn't feel quite as bad as it did yesterday in terms of the raw feeling of the wind. The wind's not quite as strong, but actually the observations are picking up still some fairly strong gusts out there. So it is minus one at the moment in parts of Buckinghamshire around freezing in beds and hearts. And uh, the temperatures aren't going to get much higher through the day today. So if you do feel that wind, it really is going to make the difference. It'll feel very, very cold in 
indeed very raw, that easterly wind, with a top temperature of just 3 Celsius. But we've got a lot of cloud around. It will be dry through the day today, and it looks like we could see some breaks in the cloud. Not that that's really going to help the feel of the weather. The next few days, we do it all again. Another widespread frost tonight, another cold day tomorrow. And in fact, that cold weather is likely to persist right through the Easter weekend. Although generally we're looking at being dry, uh, perhaps the odd flurry around at times, but that's all we're looking at. Dry, cold and cloudy with the wind slowly easing as we head towards the weekend. But no sign of spring yet, Ian. When is it coming, Sarah? Not this week, Ian. (sighs) Man alive. (laughs) Thanks very much for the good news. It's nearly April. Just a little bit of sunshine. I just want to go and play in the garden, that's all. Every weekday morning from nine. The JVS Show. With the biggest questions. Today on the big phone-in, I'm asking, would you support some dog breeds being removed from this country? Should traffic wardens be more lenient? Would the government be right to drop the minimum price for alcohol? And the biggest opinions. I think the tax is completely unfair. It doesn't matter how old they are or how young they are. They're still your children. It doesn't matter whether it's male or female or what. I'm disgusted with the people that... You should have cut them people off. The JVS Show. Weekdays from 9 on BBC Three Counties Radio. You can call JVS now if you want 08459 455555. Or you can send him an email. It's an excellent way to get in touch. Have you seen these emails? It's like electronic letters. It's wonderful. JVS Show at bbc.co.uk. Now, remember yesterday we told you about the residents of Butley Road in Luton who'd been fighting to keep the land behind their homes as open space. Well, the council want to give the land to developers to build homes which are in desperate need in the town. Residents tried to stop the plans by applying for the land to be designated as a village green. Well, the Borough Council's executive, executive committee voted to continue with plans. One of the campaigners, Martin Stiff, told our reporter, Ewan Duncan, they keep coming up against a brick wall. There is a group as such that feel very strongly about this and we've um, been working hard over the last 18 months to um, try and put our our case together but every time that we've gone to each stage it's just been blocked by the the committees of the the various members of the council here. They're they're headstrong into just going ahead regardless of what we say, not listening to the community, not listening to the members of the public, not listening to Lucent who actually keep them uh, where they are now. Effectively this was the final hurdle was it? Um, Absolutely not. No, there's a lot more water to go under the bridge. Um, This is just another uh, hurdle we have to climb. Um, They need now to um, uh, put this into the local press for um, feedback and any objections. So we've obviously got that opportunity. And there's some other other things that we've got under the planning issue, which we haven't raised as yet, that we'll be using to try and uh, prevent. But at the end of the day, they'll do what they want, regardless of any members of the public and uh, the, the residents of Luton. So there's an appeals agenda for you, but you still don't hold out much hope in the long run? I wouldn't like to say, I wouldn't like to wave the white flag yet, let's, let's, let's put it that way. But um, we, we, want, we all go down fighting if we have to. At the end of the day, they'll, they'll carry on doing what they want to do, um, but we can just make our voices heard the best we can as just members of the public. And the key here is an area that could be used as a play area or potentially open space, which is going to be built on. Absolutely. This is a a very rare piece of land within a very built-up community. The council's policies have already identified that the the top hill area of Luton, um, Pertinial area, is deficient in open space. And this is a unique piece of land that, once it's gone, will never get replaced. 
Remind us how many houses we're talking about here. It's 54 housings, 33 of them are going to be private sell to the developer for his own profits and needs. And there's 15 of council and the remainder will be shared ownership. It's a, it's a space that, um, that all the community uses. It brings all the community together. The, the, the people in Hockwell Ring and the big tall flats that live near, near us, um, they use that space. They don't have gardens. They use that space as their, as their back garden. If you see in the summer, they use it for picnics, they use it for barbecues, they use it for their kids to come and play where they have the opportunity. We have it. Fortunately, we have a small garden of our own, but that, you know, we see that, that area as a meeting point for all the communities for dog walking and just general just sports and leisure pastimes. You and Duncan speak, uh, interviewing there. Now, we've been talking about this story all morning. Almost 300 people have been fined for driving through a bus lane in Bedfordshire that's only thir- 33 feet long. Residents trying to get out of the Wixom's estate near Wilstead have to drive along the A6 to avoid the lane. It was created in the middle of Kingsway Road, cutting off uh, the access to the estate. Well, the, the bus lane's been there for possibly a couple of years, but the cameras were only put in place two weeks ago. Our reporter, Justin Dealey, is there. Justin, lots of people saying on the Facebook page, What's the story? This bus lane has been there for a, <laughs> bus lane's been there for a couple of years. They yep, put the yep. cameras there because it saves the police having to, to hang about. People are idiots if they mm. drive through it. But clearly that's a story. If 300 people yes. in two weeks have been fine, that, that, that is definitely a story. Oh, it definitely is. And I think it just goes to show how stupid some people are. Well, looking at the signs here, you would probably go along with that because it's a very, very short bus lane. Yes, there goes another car that's just literally gone, gone past it. that. Gone, gone straight through the bus lane and will be fined £50. It says bus only, clearly marked in huge letters on the road. And then next to that marking, bus lane cameras. I've been talking to people here this morning. People here here on the Wixom's estate, which is probably the coldest estate in the whole of the world, or also... All right, stop stop showing off, Justin. All right, (laughs) just I'm in a warm, luxury studio. It's it's very, very cold. They're they're saying, what is the problem? It's clearly marked. But um, I spoke to Adam a few moments ago. I couldn't stop him the first time, Ian, but I stopped him from going through it again, and this is what happened. Now, Adam, earlier you drove through the bus lane cameras. I tried to stop you, but we were live on air at the time. I mean, looking at that now, it says bus only there, and it also says bus lane cameras. Are you looking at that thinking, how did I miss it? Yeah, I am actually. Where are the cameras then? <laughs> the camera is just there. You can see the camera just oh, there okay. to our right-hand side, but it clearly says bus only. That's marked clearly on the road, and it says bus lane cameras. As somebody who does quite a bit of driving for a living, <laughs> how could you miss it? Uh, I don't know, honestly. I wasn't really looking at it. I was just coming down the lane by the way the sat-nav bought me, so... I was probably going to sat-nav bought me. I'm not from around here, so... And that can be the problem, can't yeah. it? Because sat-navs can catch you out. If it tells you yeah. to go that way, oh, it may tell you, way, but, yeah. but it doesn't tell you about bus lanes, exactly. does it? No, you just go the way it says, so that's what I've done. I mean, 300 people have been fined here oh, in right. the last couple of weeks. Unfortunately, you're going to be part of that statistic. Are you surprised by that? 300. It's a lot, that's isn't a lot, it? That is a lot, isn't it, really? No. Yo, I am a bit. 300 is a lot. Mm. Yeah. And if you've done it... Others are going to follow, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Let me know. I'm not turning around now. <laughs> well, I was going to say, make sure you turn around. Yeah, you don't I'm want two fines in one day. I've saved you a few quid yeah, there. I'm not turning around now, yeah. Anyway. Thank you very much indeed. That's all right. So that was Adam. Apologies for the language towards the end there. Another car uh, has just gone through the bus uh, lane again man, whilst I'm sitting here. Ka-ching, absolutely, for Bedfordborough Council. And just one more for you, Ian. This yep. is Caroline. Now, I managed to stop her before she went through this bus lane camera and was fined £50, and this is what happened. Caroline, I've just jumped out into the middle of the road. I've risked my life. I've saved you a few quid. You're about to go through that bus lane camera. 
You've seen the signs now. How could you have missed it? Well, I think really I just follow other people. Other people come down here and um, I just do what they do, really. I mean, looking at the signs, it says bus only as well. Do you, looking at that, and I'm not trying to make you feel stupid here, no. but looking at that now, do you almost feel a bit silly because you very nearly went through it and you would have gone through it had I not stopped you? Well, yes, uh, yeah, I do, because um, obviously they're there and you can see them. Yeah. But um, I suppose, as I say, it's just something I do because other people do it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've done it for quite a long time, really. Mm. Well, 300 people have been fined really? in the last two weeks, so that won't surprise you. Now I've saved you that fine slash penalty. When are you going to take me out for a drink? <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> oh, thank you. Right, I won't stop you again. Justin, you Justin, Dealey, exploiting your position mm. at the BBC, mm. for goodness mm. sakes. Listen, Justin, I've got to move on because we've got a couple of calls to squeeze on. Excellent stuff. But uh, I, I think you need to file a health and safety if you're going to jump in front of cars, for goodness sakes. Just ending that because I want to speak to John in Milton Keynes. Morning, John. Morning, Ian. And How also, are you, mate? Yeah, I'm fine, thank you. Also, Susie in Milton Keynes. Morning, Susie. Morning. Do you, do you know John at all? Um, I don't think so. OK, well, listen, you've both been stuck in something. We've got a minute each. John, what have you been stuck in? I've been stuck in, in a submarine. Oh! <laughs> Honest, honestly, it was in Germany. It was an old World War II submarine. They have it as an exhibit. Yeah. And I remember you could walk onto it from the side, because they cut a doorway out from the side. Yes. And there was a very, how can I put it, a very large American woman and yes. her husband. Okay. When we got inside, you know the little hatchways that are inside the submarine? Yes. She couldn't get her leg over the ledge. It was a, a foot and a half high, and we were stuck behind her for like um must be 10 minutes those and those submarines are claustrophobic aren't oh, they? they are claustrophobic you would not believe and you know what yeah. if her husband wasn't there i was so tempted to climb up to hold on to a railing and basically to, to basically kick her over to kick oh, her through John, you can't do that you can't kick fat americans <laughs> oh you know i really i really felt like doing it i was i was livid absolutely <laughs> livid. And i started sweating as well i'm sweating for 10 minutes we've all, we've all been tempted john but you cannot kit, kick fat, fat americans learn that lesson susie can you can you beat john being stuck in a submarine what have you been stuck in oh definitely oh. not the tall green bins ian but you know the big like biffa bins the big biffa bins i know the biffa bins yes yeah. i used to play in them as well, a kid i did yeah exactly well um behind a charity shop yes in milton Keynes, yeah. what they used to do they used to fill them bins up with the stuff that they didn't want yeah so, well yeah. the stuff the charity shop are throwing away wow yeah, but it was a good top-notch charity shop. Yes. Anyway, I decided one summer afternoon, I, I was a bit bored, and I thought, oh, I'll go and have a look what's in the charity bin. Why not? And, um, was there a fat American in there? No fat no. American. No, no, because no, no, I'm sure I wouldn't have got in it myself. No. Anyway, um, with me only being four foot eleven and a half, I had to hitch myself up yes. because it was quite empty. Yep. And as I did that, I fell headfirst into it with the lid closing on me. Oh, no. Now, I stood at the bottom, <laughs> pushed the lid up, yes. and I'm showing the hell. <laughs> I felt like a little meerkat. Yes. Was that all you could see was the little head? <laughs> So did someone, did someone come and find you in there? They, they yeah, took away some cardigans. It, it, it and... a, a nice policeman. Oh, dear. Oh dear. I know. Did it, and and how did the policeman get you out of the well, bin? Well, basically, he hitched me out, and he was laughing that much, he dropped me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I said so much about health and safety, Oh, we, we have to end it there, Susie. I could, uh, John, thank you so much. She's four foot eleven. She got stuck in a, in a biffa bin. Policeman pulled her out and dropped her. <laughs>
What a marvellous ending to the show. I've gone a little bit light to It's John and Susie, both of you, thank you very much. Marvellous stories. Right. Oh, let's get the travel news now. Here's Sophie. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Heading east on the A414, still looking fairly heavy at the moment, heading through Hemel Hempstead. One lane closed there following an accident between Junction 7 of the M1 at Hemel Hempstead exit and the A414 at the Park Street roundabout. Now elsewhere on the motorway, still looking busy heading north on the M1 between 9 at Redbourne and 10 at Luton Airport. London bound still have delays of around 35 minutes actually between 13 at Bedford and 9 at Redbourne and anti-clockwise on the M25. Also still so between 26 at Waltham Abbey and 25 at the A10 for Enfield and 18 at Chorleywood and 16 and the M40. Everything else really not looking too bad at all at the moment. All seems to be moving fairly nicely. Trains are looking good. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Sophie. Excellent stuff as always. What a lovely way to end the show with a a four foot eleven woman stuck in a biffer bin being rescued and then dropped by a police officer. Good work. Back tomorrow at six. JVS is up next. Until tomorrow, ta-ta. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to the JBS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. It's Tuesday, and on today's big phone-in, I'm asking, is it true that today's nurses lack compassion? Today, the head...